Welcome to Reflections of a DJ Road Podcast. Um, it's Monday, February 26th. Yep. Um, got Jamie the Great. Yep. Uh, DJ Never. Yep. Straight from the airport. Uh, mm-hmm. D Miles. And uh, me, uh, DJ Crooked. We got a special guest. Um, very, very, very talented uh, DJ, producer. Um, I've had many conversations, great conversations with him about just deep psychology shit and like uh you know he's really really a smart dude and i, l- I love talking Sometimes. with this guy and I'm, I'm glad he's here uh my boy mega man aka michael mayetta yes okay. it's good yeah. got it mayetta there he is mayetta yeah thank you for having me dude no no thanks it's for fun. coming through we've been talking about you uh having you on here for a minute but you know oh it's awesome yeah so i mean we were we were you know, we were trying to bring you on, and then you know, we've had conversations of your start in Cali. Yeah, uh, and then I, I kind of want to touch on that, and and then you lived in Vegas for a little bit, right? Yeah, it was about. I think I lived here for seven years. Because because Neva and yeah. Jamie, y'all were talking to Cyber Kid, and he was saying like that. Uh, you know, like he came up with kind of with Mega Man and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He taught you how to like DJ and like how to walk. <laughs> that's funny. Crawl. That's a good one. He, he <laughs> might hope that he taught how, me how to walk. How to but talk? Yeah, how to talk. Like, he, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't no, we went to, I uh, think this might be a regular thing where we kind of <laughs> bash on Cyberkid. <laughs> bash on Cyberkid. Shout out to I can see him steaming in the kitchen listening to us. <laughs> He's like, girl, you motherfuckers. I, I hate gonna, them dudes. I'm going to get a DM. We're going to get him. We're going to get He hates what we say about eating. I hate them motherfuckers. House music. I don't think we. I don't think we shit on house music. Nah, we shit on EDM though. A shit time. No, we sh- we, I don't know, we don't shit on EDM. We just shit we, on motherfuckers who some of the motherfuckers. The DJs, EDM. the yeah. EDM DJs. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, anyway, we do, we do that. Right. I mean, back to where <laughs> Cyberkid taught you how to DJ yeah. <laughs> and walk and talk. <laughs> That's fine. No, we had. Uh, I was telling you about that one experience we had. We went to that rave that got shut down by the police with the well, riot squad because people you, were dying from the GHB. Jesus. Wait, wait, so wait. Your your roots into DJing was like more like kind of elect, like housey the drum and bass or was it hip hop? No, it it was hip hop, but the thing about that time was the hip hop DJs didn't really like me cuz I was young, you know. So how what age were what we talking? What year was this? Um it's 1994 and I was 12 when I first started. Wow. Damn. So it was just uh, you know, when you're that young, I mean, I can't blame anybody that's you know, eighteen to twenty-five, and I wanted to hang out and shit. So you were like, you were, t- <laughs> so you were like twelve, and you yeah. were like, uh, you were like, just incredibly great at scratching and mixing. No, I had a those uh, really bad Gemini XL BD10 turntables to start out with. The belt drives. Yeah, I had those. I had Did those, you really? Those I had those also. <laughs> I started those. The worst things ever. Where you had to push the record. Yeah. 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 I had one technique and one Gemini. Yeah, that's that was my uh, second setup. I had to save all the money yeah. that I got from allowance to get the te- exactly. to get the techniques. The, the torque, yeah. the torque on the belt drive wasn't strong enough to handle the scratching. Where mm-hmm. if you let go of a record. The yep. spin would yeah. would keep it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, when you were scratching on a belt drive turntable, and I, when I say a belt drive, it was literally like a, a rubber rubber band exactly yep. spinning the turntable. Mm-hmm. Some belt, yeah, a belt drive. <laughs> and if you when you're scratching on it, you had to push the record forward just to get it back. Yep. And I still do that to this day <laughs> because I'm not coordinated. But uh, yeah, that was my first setup. So I didn't have really have anybody to hang out with. But in in a way, it was a blessing because then it, it didn't. At that time, it was like the golden age hip-hop thinking was only hip-hop at that time with the crew that was around my area. Yeah. Where was that? Where was it? This is in Oxnard. Uh, uh, what, where in is Ventura that? County. 
Like, where yeah. is that in, like, oh, Cali? Uh, towards the north side, like, past Six Flags, almost to, like, San Bernardino. I mean, Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. I'm from New York, so I don't know Cali very well. So like what Santa is Barbara. It shows the coast. But up. Like in between San Francisco and LA? That's no, no, no. Where no. you're going, where oh. the fuck up. <laughs> you're like, way far away. Like Fresno and. It's LA? an hour away. Before Fresno, but towards the coast area. All right, whatever. An hour away from LA, basically. Okay. Yeah. So it's not That's far away. That's what I wanted it's to know. Far an hour away. Okay, yeah. two hours. That's crazy. <laughs> you never got into boxing? Because I know Oxnard is heavy on the boxing shit. Well, yeah, I mean, who knows? I wasn't really into fighting too much because I was pretty much bullied, like. All the younger years, which is probably why I was so focused on DJing a lot too. Mm. So you were bullied away. like six, seven, eight, like that, that, that age group, like around there. Uh, well, it went from the abusive babysitter to being bullied through elementary, bullied through junior high, and then I got into DJing right after. And okay. so it was like a string of really bad events so, that led me to music. Wait, abusive wait, wait. babysitter, like getting a whooping? Yeah, no, no, no. Like so, like before we get into like all of this, me and Mike, we talk about. Uh, I'm obsessed and he got me obsessed, but we talk about pain and creativity mm -hmm. and how pain and talent or pain and creativity are almost hand in hand. So like the, the, the people who experience the most pain always end up being highly creative or very talented in something because it's an obsession in this one thing and it's almost like an escapism, right? Borderline. Yeah. Yeah, for me. Yeah, definitely. So I mean Going into that, I, I believe this episode will will be surrounded around pain and creativity. And creativity. So when he yeah. says uh, he was being bullied, and you were talking about abuse, like ba basically like molestation, right? Well, yeah. it was it was. I'll give you an example. It'd be like if I didn't eat what she had made, then she would say, "Michael, you know, I have a surprise for you." And I'd walk in, and she'd beat the shit out of me with whatever random object, object she had at the oh, time. Oh, so it was really abuse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, this was a was, babysitter. Yeah, this is a babysitter. Okay. Yeah, what? Was she Latina? Because that sounds like some Mexican uh, traits there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I would I would try to tell you what she was, but I disassociated so much. You I barely I almost don't remember three years of my childhood because of this. Wow. Yeah. Sounds crazy. But see, I didn't really know that it was this bad until uh, a few years ago I started having anxiety for no reason. And I was trying to figure out where it was coming from. And then that's, it kind of led back to digging real deep to find out so that it was that. When you were getting abused like this, what was what was the, like how old were you? Three, four, five, six? I mean, it's hard for me to really remember. Mm. Cause it's, I'm serious, like it's like blacked out almost. Wow. And, and then when, what's weird is when I go to try to think about it, it's like my brain almost like goes to something else. It's actually really blocked. So well, your brain is remember. trying to protect you almost? Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So I remember a few key abuse moments. But I remember the time when I kind of like woke up and figured out something was wrong. Because when you're that young, you kind of just think it's normal. Well, for me, I thought it was normal. So I didn't say anything to my parents. I didn't say anything to anybody else. Because you don't know anything when you're that young. Mm -hmm. But I started to think something was wrong when um, she had like nap time. And I remember being so afraid to ask her to use the restroom, I pissed on myself. Really? That's, when I, that's when I figured out something was wrong. Yeah. Wow. But it, so through that, let's just say if I had post-traumatic stress, uh, the problem with that is if you don't get help, you don't know what good and bad is anymore. So then he, all humans have that ability to prey on the weak because that's just that's ingrained in our biology kind of thing, right? So if you don't know what's bad and what's good, then you can't stand up for yourself because you mm -hmm. just don't know. So mm -hmm. then you just get bullied. So I think a lot of people that get bullied are also maybe sometimes they've experienced something that's traumatic and they can't figure out who's to stay away from. So that's when music came into play, you know, thank God for that. And then 
work through yeah. that shit. Okay. Yeah. So in the, in the early stages when you were growing up, you talked about, I mean, you spoke to me earlier about piano. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I have such a bad memory, but I remember you telling me you were like a genius in piano. Well, like, well, you weren't telling me, but like you did a test or someone <laughs> said you were a genius. I mean, he wasn't like an arrogant prick, like I'm yeah. a genius in piano. But like, <laughs> no, I, remember, no, no, no. I remember there being a test about, you know, you being like a genius in piano. No, it was, what well, wasn't necessarily piano. It was my piano teacher had hinted at to my family that maybe they should find somebody else to teach me because I had been learning things almost instantly. So your piano teacher was like, yo. Uh, he's becoming almost better than me or like he's exceeding my my <laughs> my tutelage or not better than right? him but yeah 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 it was just they thought i could be great let's just say i had the potential to be great and that was like right. you said age seven yeah i was pretty young. i think i was pretty young you're pretty young yeah seven because i right took there. piano lessons and i was i yeah. i don't remember shit from it but yeah yeah but i lost a lot of the skills from back then i lost some of the muscle memory because i I stopped because I got kind of bored and also was probably experiencing weird feelings of going to, school, you know, going to elementary school and all that stuff. So, so it was that abuse from the babysitter and then also at school you were kind of what, like socially awkward? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then you were getting kind of bullied at school. Yeah. Actually, I think it was like the first week of kindergarten. Some some kid. That early? Yeah. Some, wow. kid, some kid had <laughs> punched me in my face and uh, there was blood everywhere. And I remember... I remember I lied to the nurse about why I had the bloody nose, but I couldn't tell you why I lied. It was almost like I was used to making a story the whole time with the babysitter. Oh. So it was just a natural instinct to lie about, oh, I fell. But then it, the school nurse said that she had heard from the kids that somebody had actually hit me. Shit. So I was already making up lies to myself that young. Yeah. I mean, that's how deep, you know, yeah. things can affect you for that long. So, I mean... Serious. I don't want to. I don't want to go back into this, but I'm just a little curious. Uh, so, did your parents find out about the babysitter? They found out later, but you have because see, a lot of people don't. It's hard for me to explain it because I'm telling you, my brain will like it right. like goes to some other place when I try to really think about this. Yeah. So I didn't really know that it was abuse until I had a really bad breakup in a relationship, and then I went to counseling, and then he was he was like, "Well, there's got to be something else." that's making you choose these women that aren't good for you. Oh. And then and then that's when we went through all the past. And then he was like, oh, no, 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 that was fucked up. You're lucky to be alive right now. You know, you're wow. lucky that you haven't started doing heroin oh, and doing man. all kinds of other shit. You know, you should really work on this. You should have been working on this for years and wow. years afterwards. Wow, wow. So, okay, damn. But I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, how would, how would I know? But you know? then you just started losing yourself into, like, music. Yeah. And then what got yeah. you into DJing? What, what was the thing that you saw and you are like, I want to try that. I want to do that. Well, I had been getting into electronics because my uncle um, was heavily into, like, stereo equipment. And you're half Japanese. Yeah. So it's in your blood as a Japanese. <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's, he... It's the Sony in you, right? Yeah, Sony, Sony in you. Sony. <laughs> So he showed me stereos, and that, that's basically what, what it was. So he got me into stereos, and then my next-door neighbor was having a get-together, and his name was um, Richie. So Richie and Richard were the DJs next door, but he was um, more of a party rocker, uh, wedding type of DJ. was not necessarily with the scratching. And, but I remember seeing the uh, colored, you know, the old-school records that were the colored vinyl on, uh, I think it was like on Thump Records. 
and I just was blown away by the first of all the vinyl was a different color and they were like manipulating it uh, manipulating it back and forth to right. do you know what scratch sounds which song it was <laughs> which, which song it was? which record it was yeah the man I don't, I don't remember it was like the old school compilation one with like maybe like fuck I don't know man. I haven't heard anyone say thump records in years but I mean yeah. I, I can't believe I remember that shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what first got me the DJ and was like saw the setup and I was just blown away by how it was he was controlling the music with uh you know technology my two favorite things yeah. so that was it pretty much and then you just asked your parents like yo or you, you asked your uncle like no i asked i i asked my mom if she could uh buy me uh some stuff for christmas and that's when i got the gemini the, the bd10s yeah they were yeah. like super cheap so but it was great that was a great time too did, to get all did cyber kid come in the box of the <laughs> <laughs> and taught you everything you did knew? he deliver did cyber kid <laughs> deliver the turntables for yeah you? that's what it, that's what he was yeah Love cyber exactly kid. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna fucking hate. We gotta bring him. On. We gotta bring him on a show now because we're busting his balls too much. Yeah. We love you, Cyber Kid. We love you, man. We just fucking with you, man. Um, Yo, my, did you see the Defiant ones? Um, uh, Dre and Jimmy HBO ID? shit. I only saw the first two episodes. I think. Man, you better okay. go back because there was a part where Dre said his therapy from Tupac dying and from his son dying was just straight music. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah had he not sure. had that, he probably would have been on drugs or probably would have like probably oh, yeah. died. So like for you like was that just a therapeutic thing yeah did I mean, you even know it was therapeutic at the time or it, you know what i mean it's i mean he didn't know it was therapy. Yeah, i didn't, I didn't yeah. know, yeah. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. at the time it's just uh or just to like get away from yeah. the bullshit type of shit plus all my fr all my friends that i had grown up with started using heavy drugs you know like the acid cocaine pcp and shit and i just i never did any of that stuff but it was only because of music i didn't experiment with it because mm -hmm. i remember thinking I can take acid and be scared as fuck in my room thinking ghosts are coming out of the ceiling, which is what happened to one of my friends. He called me and shit. Or I could just listen to the new Biggie record and try to scratch, right. try to learn how to scratch. And I mm. I chose the scratching in the Biggie record for that day. So, like, you immediately, know? like, when you were, when you got to turntables, went to get records, what role was it? You were just into the scratching, the mixing, or everything? Just everything you were just... I don't know. You know, I think every... DJ kind of knows if you really love music, it's kind of just it calls to you. You don't really understand why it's calling to mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just in you for some reason. And but you got, got to, you got so focused at age yeah. 12, 13, you were like sunning. You you were like really good to the point where you could do clubs. Yeah, I mean, I got my first radio job when I was fourteen, but but like I said, it was just I was just following what was calling calling to me. And I think a lot of the I don't I'm not completely against education, but that's one of the problems I think is that it doesn't really teach you to go look for what calls to you it teaches you to fit in sort of this box so we all fit into this box and mm. we're all supposed to be good people to pay taxes and rather than trying to figure out what do you actually love and how can you make you know make money from that yeah but at the same time feel fulfilled in life at the well, same well how'd you get that radio gig and then and i then entered a battle and i got actually got beat but the uh wicked he beat me but he was better anyway huh. was mm. that for q1047 yeah yeah q1047 yeah and you had a mid show or um, yeah, I was on, I was on one a weekly yeah. show or was it just a one time? No, it was on the weekends. It's on yeah. the weekends. Yeah. yeah. Were you talking on that shit or just <laughs> mixing? No, you're just, Not just mixing. What was it? What was it called? Four turntables in a mic or? Oh well, this this show was before way before that oh, one. Okay. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, that was a good show too. With that was with Joey Boy. He's in uh, Phoenix right now. He's yeah. doing really well. How did uh, how did the name Mega Man come about? That was 
your favorite video game? Well, see, <laughs> well what's funny? Well, another another thing that I've I had uh, to deal with when I was younger was I had seizures to video games. So that was the first game I had a seizure to. But it's that, and wait, it's wait, the wait. same initials. You had seizures. Yeah, I think I was one of the first cases in California to have seizures to video games because of the, oh, wow. the brightness or the, the or like the, yeah the, the, the strobe lights. Was it a certain game? Or, uh, yeah, or? it was Mega Man. It's Mega Man. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I, I vaguely remember this. I vaguely remember them ta- saying that. Yeah, they the have strobes. Warnings. No, I remember that. Yeah, but yeah. causing and you had a, you were one of the first. I think I was one of the first cases ever. Oh, we should give him a hand. In California. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's what made accomplishment in life, guys. I had no, seizures I to video I games. I remember that because even and video then games. Becomes, and, then and then he then becomes a DJ with the strobe light. <laughs> like just, was this on the news? Uh, no. It wasn't not okay. for not because I was way before anything ever came out on the news. So this is like maybe a few years before they started to see that kids were having seizures to video games. So then, so then you just remember that, and you said, or someone named you Mega Man. No, it's my friend Albert. He named me Mega Man because the initials were the same. But I thought oh, it was Mega funny Man. that that was the first game that I had a seizure to was Mega Man when I was really young. Oh, okay, wow. damn, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's crazy. That's a good story. Yeah, damn. But what, I, I feel like <laughs> I've said this before. West Coast DJs have the worst DJ names ever. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> another verse. Another example would be Cyberkid. That's crazy. We gonna bring you on. I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, man. and then I was thinking about Oxnard is not like big. It's not a big populated city. So if if that did happen in Oxnard, I don't think it'll get to the bigger cities. But isn't that probably. why all the kids were doing drugs? Because there was probably nothing to do, right? Kind well, of. my friends, I think they were doing a lot of drugs because their families were a little bit tweaked, you know. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, one of them was adopted, and it was just it's just a weird family. It's okay. like it, you know he was adopted, and then his parents got divorced, and it was all the time when we were all going to school together. So you could see how that could so that go that bad. translate into the raves. Kind of the um, what do you mean? When you were de- started to do raves and stuff, all your friends were into the drugs and they were into the raves. Kind oh, of, no, no, not I just, really. I just started doing the raves because they were the only places that would let me DJ because uh, mm. I couldn't DJ at the clubs, right? So, so you were like 13, 14 doing raves, yeah, but it wasn't like I mean, there were you know, raves in Oxnard aren't going to be like raves in LA or anything so I'm thinking like that. Something like 5,000 kids in a warehouse every now and then but not even that many really yeah that's crazy let's just say a thousand at the most i mean that's still, still a lot, lot, of that's still a lot man. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like at the most right at the sometimes oh, you're like a hundred people a hundred yeah. Uh, yeah so it's not gonna get too my, crazy. I mean, my first dj gigs were like for like 30 40 people at the most yeah house yeah. parties <laughs> yeah they were pretty bad <laughs> so so, uh, so where does cyber kid come into this <laughs> yeah let's let's talk that where do he teach you how to <laughs> What I don't. I don't remember him teaching me how to DJ. I don't think anybody actually taught me anything. He did something for you, right? He helped you somehow. Did he? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shots fired. No, we used to. Uh, he used to bring me to places. And what was? Well, how did y'all meet? How did y'all meet? Yeah, I think we met because I was DJing at a um, this girl. Oh my god! A birthday this party. Kind of funny. I DJ at this girl's birthday party. What's funny? She became like a a porn star too. I just. That's so funny. What's her name? Can, no, we, can we look her up? <laughs> Yo, what kind That's of so fucked ridiculous. up city is this, man? Oxnard is, is way out, bro. It's crazy. Like fucking video game seizures, drugs, <laughs> drugs <laughs> porn, porn stars. Abuse, porn stars. What's, What's next? I think that's where we met. And then uh, we would hang out and just um, oh shit, just go to uh, random events and shit together. And you just bump into each other? 
No, we would go because I was you drive, I wasn't driving at you know thirteen, uh, fourteen, or whatever. So you'd be like, "Yo, come on, let's let's go to this shit." Yeah, or just whatever. I mean, I was always at home just trying to figure out something new with scratching. Anyway, I was so obsessed with scratching at the time. I would record all the radio shit with Cubert Melody and all those guys. Wake yeah, up yeah. show forever. So you know, it's crazy. Yeah. He, he did tell me a story that one day he was going to go pick you up, and uh, the power was out in your street, <laughs> and then your mom said, "Yeah, he's DJing in his room," and he said, with no power, <laughs> and that, you had, <laughs> that you had your ear to the record and the needle and spinning it with your finger to listen to the sound. Well, because, okay, <laughs> I know why I was doing this now, okay, I remember, because I was fascinated that I could hear the song just by the needle uh, making contact with the grooves. Yeah. So, I, and I didn't know that before that, before mm-hmm. the power was out. So I was trying to figure out, well, that's pretty amazing that I could still hear the record with just the needle on it. And it was just the needle going through the amplifier that was amplifying what was already there. That's what oh, I was wow. fascinated by. It's crazy. <laughs> Is it? I mean, like, literally crazy, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so you're driving around with CyberKid. <laughs> teaching you how. <laughs> teaching the lessons of life. It's like the, the – just imagining, like, Mega Man, like, the actual video game Mega Man with CyberKid driving around. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are driving around. And then you start doing these raves, right? Nice. And then, like, where does this where does this lead to? Um, well, the raves were kind of. So you didn't? Did you did you enjoy this music? What, what, what were they playing? Drum and bass, like, um, you know, deep power. a lot of house stuff at the time. I think it was like a. So you had to get these records. Yeah, yeah. So I would buy. But were you time, into that music, time. or were you just like, I want to just DJ in front of people? I was into the vocal stuff, but I was never into. I was never super into that hard house, the noisy, just, you know, the super noisy type of shit. Yeah, yeah. But all the stuff that had some sort of groove, or at least a vocal, mm-hmm. that was uh, melodic I was into, for the mm-hmm. most part. Were there any house DJs that you really loved or were influenced by? Uh, well, at the time, I think it was like, who was I listening to? Like, Bad Boy Bill, because mm-hmm. he was scratching. And I really appreciated that he brought scratching into that genre. Yeah. Um, he was like a hip-hop DJ at first, yeah. right? Yeah, he had that. He did that DMC battle where he like yeah. pulled out the dildo and scratched on the oh. on the record. Talk about that's not the first time we heard about dildos at a battle. Oh. They had the, <laughs> Four Color Zach was telling about his three style battle with Red Bull, and he was throwing dildos at his competitors. His competitor, <laughs> oh point them out and throw a fucking dildo. That's wild. <laughs> but I think I think he got like. I think he got disqualified like immediately for that or you something. Serious? Yeah. So I don't even think he had a chance to like make it to the finals. They just disqualified him. Oh, that's shit. wrong. Damn. It's like Bad Boy Bill, Richard Hub Division, of course, because uh, they had really dope, just they had dope records. Yeah. I think I was more into the, uh, for house music, I'm always more into what the actual song is, obviously. Mm. But a lot of it's very repetitive to me, which is why I don't really, mm-hmm. it's not my thing too much. And then all the while, piano's been taking a back seat pretty much. Yeah, uh huh. But I had also what is it? So I got an ASR ten, um, right when I got into high, right when I got into high school, because there was a used one, and it was broken. But I still got it anyway. So that was my first piece of equipment, and then I got a SB twelve, but I got one of the ones that didn't even have more than two seconds of sample time. So that was a useless. <laughs> that was absolutely useless. But people don't even know what that means. Just for anymore. drums, yeah. It's just for drums, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But people are uh, spoiled now with all the unlimited amount of sample time. They don't know what two seconds is like. Well, I used to make beats. Like, I started, I obviously wanted to DJ 
and then I started making beats. And the thing that I learned making beats on was uh, the Gemini s- sampler that had like eight banks. Yeah, one I, mean, that was, I remember that one. Yeah, one that yeah. was twelve second, <laughs> yep. two that were like four, and another two that were two second. And I used to chop shit up, and I used to switch the banks up, and I used yep. to do like Premier esque type beats and stuff. And I would do drums the same way, and then you know you try to loop certain stuff. But yeah, I mean, twelve seconds was like that was gold. Yeah, for that sure. That was yeah, insane. Yeah. That was more than enough time. That was crazy. <laughs> like when they said twelve second sample, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a big deal. But yeah, I mean, so then all right, so you started making beats like this is high school. Yeah, it's high school. Yeah. So you were already interested in producing a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think I was always I was always into producing even before that, but it was pretty challenging to actually produce before that because um what was it well first of all i didn't have that kind of money because i'm you know right. barely about to be in high school so it's impossible to get anything and then i think midi wow this is fucking damn i'm starting to show the age now <laughs> but midi started like finally working properly with some of the computer programs which before it wasn't really it was kind of more difficult to navigate because it would have weird stuttering problems as the loop would go back around to the top of the one again it would mm-hmm. like stop sort of and then go back so yeah so then so then let's let's move forward to like uh what i mean i met you in vegas yeah and you were doing new york new york's club i forgot oh, the rock. name. yeah Ro- what was it rock, rock. Yeah. r-o-k yeah, 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 yeah that was it mm-hmm. what what so like in that time what was going on through that time uh, with the DJing and the music making? Yeah, just, just everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think at the time, well, I was starting to do, my remixes were starting to do well with um, with Panic City at the time. And then with Wait, Rock, I Panic just, City? Yeah. Oh, okay. From uh, the Bay Area. So you, were, yeah. so you were like remixing with him? Yeah. Okay. Some of those edits I still use, actually. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so th- they started to do well, and um, the DJing was... Were doing you still well, doing parties or like what was it were you, for the DJ? Yeah, was, I, no, I was only doing rock pretty much because they had me there all the time. Mm. Yeah, you really like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, right? that was Somewhere. it. Was it was kind of well, how'd strange. you get that? How did you get that? Um, I just I had audition because uh, Clutch from New York, he uh, hit me up to go. Well, actually, he's from I think he lives in Jersey, but yeah, he hit me up to go try out for um, rock because he said the owners didn't like the D a couple of the DJs that were there all the time. And then, so I went there and then I had been practicing at, uh, not practicing, but with Presto, I was doing eye candy at Mandalay Bay and eye candy is not the easiest venue of all time to DJ for. Cause that, people yeah, I remember leave. that. Yeah. So that's like a casino bar. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the nicest casino bar in Las Vegas. But it, it was a great, uh, it was a great training spot because to get people to stay, you had to really pay attention. Yeah. You had to read you know? them, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to read them like, like that or like they're gonna leave mm-hmm. so it was great to do that because new york new york is like a similar kind of a similar demographic because mm-hmm. all the people that were going to the hot spots were going to like you know tower i think uh was was excess open maybe all right at the time yeah 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 jet pure yeah yeah so everybody that was cool was already trying to go to those places and then rock was just like if you were around you went there so i i kind of knew that from eye candy that that was going to be the demographic that was showing up so when I did the set, every song was like, you know, it worked really well. So and I think I think maybe some of the people that were playing there were trying to play stuff that was all remixed. And I just played all originals, but I just made sure the mixing was on point. Right. Because I knew that that demographic just 
they don't even understand what a remix is sometimes. So were you at Eye Candy first or Rock? Yeah, Eye Candy first. I, so what brought you to Eye Candy? What brought you to Vegas? I want to know. Um, well, <laughs> that's funny. Cyberkid has had mentioned <laughs> Cyberkid again. <laughs> no, well he's he's one of the first. Cyberkid is like the Obi Wan of this whole story. <laughs> yeah. no, right? He's the Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi of this whole story. No, I think he had he had mentioned that uh, some of the gigs were were pretty good out here at the time, and uh, I think somebody I can't remember who else mentioned it, and then somebody else moved out here, and then that's when I just decided I needed to need to move on because at the time I was doing radio. Yeah, and um, I what, had I had what already was this like two thousand eight. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I had already done everything in radio that I could do. So I needed something. I was like, okay, well, it's now or never. You're either going to try these things or you're not going to try these things. So that's when I just bounced pretty much. And you're like, fuck it. I'll take it. Take a chance to just move to Vegas. Because I remember yeah. everyone was coming to Vegas like it was a gold rush. Yeah. 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 They thought like, <laughs> I'm going to get. They're like, going to get put on right away. Well, they thought they was just like, yo, I'll get like, you know. A two thousand dollar a night residency or fifteen hundred dollar residency or whatever, right? <laughs> so, um, all right. So you came here. Oh, Did Cyberkid introduce this, Mike? Or I'm trying to remember? Because I know I met maybe. you around like two thousand eight. Yeah, it's po- it's possible. It's possible, right? Yeah. I'm thinking either him or maybe like Phenom, but I think it was Cyberkid. It might. It's probably Cyber. I'm guessing. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm telling you. He's just connecting the stars everybody. in this fucking Cyberkid's a star of this fucking whole story he, <laughs> we owe everything to cyber you owe yeah. everything to cyber kid crooked, that's debatable but i don't know yeah. crooked, i don't know crooked remembers but you introduced me to crooked <laughs> he oh, doesn't really remember. yeah <laughs> at the first shop he brought me to the shop he's like yo i want to go show crooked some love yeah and i met the both of you guys and then yeah. at, the, at really? the old location and yeah. i told never i said watch out watch the black guy he might steal something <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh that was like, you <laughs> you gave us like a, you gave us like a couple of shirts I did? Yeah, it was cool. I, I still have it. It has like a five on it and like OB. It was like heads. Oh, the scam? It was a scam yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. It was a scam yeah, t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I still have that in my closet. I got a whole bots if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Should bring them back. Yeah. That's that was crazy. A, that was a horrific design that I did back in the day. It took a lot of work, but yeah. Oh, yeah, so th- I didn't know that. So, yeah. okay. And that was like 09, I think. Oh, 08 or 09. That's interesting. Yeah. It might have been 08. Wow. I'm going to say 08. Yeah. 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 I was afraid yeah. you I, I was afraid you're gonna tell me Cyberkid introduced you. No. You know how Morgan Friedman is like the, the narrator in a lot of films? Cyberkid's gonna be the narrator for uh, Mega Man's film. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it was a porn star's birthday. That's a level of pain that you would want to go through. <laughs> uh so uh all right, so Methu I remember I remember going to check you at Eye Candy. I could be wrong though. Well I remember you being well, I got super drunk with you and Neva probably when we were at Rock and then we ended up at Mandalay Bay for something I don't know what for fuck <laughs> <laughs> Neva's giggles no, I'm trying it. to think yeah I mean that's, we, that's all I remember Mandalay Bay well, was we were all drinking we ended up at Mandalay Bay were we working or was I DJing no we just ended just up going out? there after our gig and then we yeah. ended up drinking some more drinking okay heavily pretty heavily <laughs> okay. well, what spot was at Mandalay Bay what was going on at the time over there Rum jungle. It was a, no, it was Foundation a little. Room? What was the little spot? Was it the Foundation bo- Room? No, no. Rum jungle. No. It was a oh, forty deuce. Was it the bar? Might have been forty deuce. Oh. The lounge. Oh, might have been shit. 40 deuce. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Might have been forty yeah. deuce. Was yeah. that the burlesque show? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. That's, that's what, it was. what it was. And I think Graham. I'm, okay. Graham Funk was there. I think I remember that. Yeah. I think Graham yeah. Funk and Stone Rock used to do that. I could be. I wrong. know Graham used to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like right. So we probably went, and it was after hours, wasn't it? They were trying to push after hours, yeah. so we tried to go there for after hours. Yep. 
All right. Now it all makes sense. Wow. I've got a good memory. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I don't remember much. I just remember getting there. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember getting there. And then there was this Asian girl that kept yelling at me for something. And you guys knew her. <laughs> I, but I don't know who she was. Who was it? I don't, I don't know. I just remember her yelling at me for nothing. The Asian girl. Yeah. The Asian girl. That's, That's all I remember. Never knows all the Asian girls in Vegas. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> um, all right. So you did rock. Yeah. And it did it close or did you leave rock before it closed? No, I got. Well, I basically got. I don't know if you. I don't know if I was fired or let go or whatever it mm-hmm. was. But that was a weird situation because after the old management had left, you know, people do things to try to bring in their own people. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of weird shit going on that I was not... You're trying... You're almost, yeah. like, getting phased out. Yeah. But, but it was because of relationships with the yeah. new management. Yeah, but, you know, at the same time, I didn't necessarily handle myself responsibly because I was getting... As I was getting... Feeling more of the pressure, I started drinking more heavily, right? So, right. So I got way too drunk one night, but... I had somebody there to cover what I was when I was done. Yeah, like drunk, but it still didn't matter because at that time they just wanted me out of there anyway. They used it against you, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. They hit you with that. We're gonna yeah. go in a different direction. Because I, I <laughs> yeah, I remember exactly. I remember we had an in-store event at New, and yeah. I asked them to DJ the in-store event, mm-hmm. and you know, you came through like a homie and you did like a good forty-five minute hour set, and we were hanging out. And I could be wrong, but you were distraught. You're very like. You're kind of like, I don't know, like, what the next step is, kind of. But you were kind of like, I don't know if I want to DJ anymore. Yeah. And you said, like, and I was like, really, man? But you're a good DJ. And you're so talented. And you you were just like, nah, man, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to try to make beats. And I was just kind of like, wow, okay. Like, and I was just, I was like, you know, low-key a little worried. But I was also kind of concerned because I thought, you know, you do have a future in DJing. So, like, you know. I don't know if that was around the same. That was definitely around the same time, right? Yeah. Well, the the two worst experiences I had out here happened basically back to back. You know. So then I then I was at a different club, and that's when the manager asked me if I was a fucking faggot because I was playing some record that he thought Where was made this me at? a faggot. You can't say no names. Bro. Yeah. Oh, okay. For, for, this, names. for this one, I don't want to say. I don't want to say because. The person that put me on, I really respect him, and he's homies of everybody here. So. Oh, okay, okay. I, re- but, I remember that. But So it was at a club here in Vegas? Yeah. And then you were playing, what song was it? I mean, I can't, I think it was just like a, I would do these things with, because was this was a primarily what EDM type style place. Yeah. So what I would do is I would always do a little bit of the original house record, but then go into a remix, so that way there's always a familiar intro with a cool remix. Right. And maybe he was saying that I was a faggot because I was playing the original for a piece. Uh, I don't okay, really know. Okay. Was, or, he, was he screaming at you or he was just saying jokingly? No, he was being serious. No doubt. No doubt he was being serious. Um, I, he said some other things, but I think I was so angry after just hearing that part that I couldn't even make out what he said afterwards because I wanted to, you know, fight him yeah. at that Damn, point. Yeah. And it's like, it's, and I, I, I thought I was doing a great job at the time. So that when you know you're doing a good job as a DJ and somebody calls you a faggot that's supposed to be a, the manager, that's when you're like, right. okay. Like, I thought we were a team. I'm yeah. working with you. Like, you want to fight me. Yeah. So that's, the, then I proceeded to get way too drunk as usual. So that was my, uh, that was my out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's a funny thing in Vegas because when I first moved out here from New York, 
I never experienced like the ego of the b big fish in a little pond, which is like Vegas. You got a lot of these guys in power who just don't know who are just used to being the king of wherever the fuck they are. And they just sometimes don't know how to talk to motherfuckers. Because when I first moved out here, I remember going through that. Even my first tryout, remember? I went to the bar yeah. and I tried to get a drink. And the, the manager at that time was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I was just going to get a drink before my set. And he literally pushed my drink away. And he's like, the DJs don't fucking DJ. I'm drink. And I'm I drink. No drink. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they don't yeah, the DJ. DJs don't DJ. The DJs don't drink. <laughs> he's like, DJs aren't allowed to drink. And he looked at me. He's like, what do you think of that? And I was just like, I don't. And I was just like, yo, I never had a manager speak to me like that before. <laughs> like, I ain't shit. It's like a gut check, man. It's Damn. And I was just like, all right, yo. Like, and literally, I had to go. Uh, Neville was like, no, nah, no. Nah, you know, we'll go downstairs. Uh, we'll, we'll go outside to the casino. We'll get a drink at the casino. And then we'll go back to the to the club. So I was like, cool. And it, you know, just kind of helped to like bring the nerves down a little bit, especially after that motherfucker talked to me. I'm like, damn, like, why am I here to fucking try out? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, you you had to deal with that shit, kind of, not really though. But for some reason, I think it was more I, on me a I lot. I didn't right? get it that bad. But you you know, they, it was just they for some reason, with, yeah, they fuck with you more. I don't know why, but because he I looks fucking angry all the time. <laughs> I don't know what it is. He looked angry, bro. You look like I don't. I remember here. I got suspended for a week. Because I wouldn't play the manager's song at the end of the night, and the yes. lights and the lights were up, so the the this this lounge closed here in Vegas, the lights were up and the manager was drunk and he was like, "Man, play my favorite song," and it was blah 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 blah, and I was like, "Yo, man, like I'm all packed. If anything, like I'll go to the iPod and I'll play it on the iPod." He's like, "No, take your fucking computer out and play it right now," and I was like, "I think you were there, right?" I was there, yeah. And remember, I was just like looking at you, like shocked. And you was laughing though. I was laughing because I, I never had no one talk to me like that. <laughs> and then he was like, "You're not gonna do that." He's like, "You're fucking over. You're not gonna be able to wash dishes I, in this town." I, remember? I, I, I even know the name of the song. He was asking. No, for. but don't say it because if you say it, everyone's gonna know. What, the song? What song just, it was? No, but they're gonna know the person because that was like his song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, Basically, I was like shocked, and he's like, "You're never gonna work in this town again. You're not gonna be able to wash dishes. You're not gonna be able to DJ at a fucking whatever." And I left. And I'm like, "Yo, what the fuck was that?" And I forgot what you told me. You're like, "Nah, nah, it's all good." And then, like, literally a couple days later, the music director called me. He's like, "Yeah, so you know, you're suspended." And I'm like, wow. "For what?" And they were just like, "Just it is what it is, man. Just." He's like, we're going to pay you, though, for the week. And I said, what the fuck is the point of suspending me and paying me? <laughs> <laughs> so he literally paid me for the week, and I got suspended. And it was just... It's just ego. It is. And it was the same manager that told me I couldn't drink. And then, long story short, me and him ended up being cool by the, end of the, by the, by, you know, yeah. by the time we got to know each other. But that is, like, literally the Vegas shit where I, I warned a lot of motherfuckers who come out here, like, yo, you're going to deal with the big fish in the little pond ego mentality because everyone is treated like a king out here and then they you know they somehow i i can't say that everyone earned their place here you know what i mean they kind of like i don't know how the vegas thing is and i could be wrong it's like you don't get promoted because you're good at what you do you get promoted because someone got fired and usually the guy who got fired is the guy who, who's good at what he does but somehow was threatening somebody or someone felt threatened, so they let him go. And then they promote the other person to do that dude's job. And 
So if you honestly just literally just stick around, you yeah. could get promoted and you can become like really high up here in Vegas. Yeah, the come up is pretty It's, it's kind of crazy. It's not as hard, right? Like you could nah. literally be low key. I mean, you've like you could just need to just like not just kind of what do you call it? Like st stay in the shadows. What is it? Stay in, stay in the background. Stay in the background, yeah. and somehow they're just gonna be like, "Hey, we need you to do this," and then you just gotta be like, "Yeah, I could do it. I could do it," and they'll promote you. Yeah. And then you got a, a dude that's never been a music director becoming a music director, and that's when you get in the case of him putting his homies into the job. Oh yeah. And then yeah, that definitely. that job security for for these dudes, and that's where relationships, I'm sorry, relationships yeah. become even more powerful than talent in certain certain aspects. But that's nothing new to anything, right? That's, yeah, but that's no, kind of what was happening to you. Yeah, yeah, and, and I've always been. Um, it's only been kind of recently, like within the past five years, I've been better at being not as socially awkward as before. <clears throat> so that's something I've always had to work at because mm -hmm. I'm always the dude that's at home practicing all the time. So yeah. if you're always practicing, <laughs> you don't get out too much. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, politics. <laughs> yeah, the the relationship shit is a lot out yeah. here. It's it's a big thing out here. Having the dinners, drinking, going out all the time. It is. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't had the luxury to do that just because I, I, you know, I'm juggling new. I'm juggling a whole bunch of stuff. So I don't I don't get the time to go out. But usually, like, we tell our homies, right? Like, when our homies start losing gigs, the first thing we tell our homies is start going out. Going out, yeah. You yeah. got to be seen. And don't get drunk. Just go out, mingle with people, hang out. But yeah, and that's how you get the gigs. Like, that's how you go out. The, the more you go out, the more people see you. They get more comfortable, and then all of a sudden, you'll get a booking somehow. Yep. Or they'll be like, yo, where you at nowadays? And you're like, man, I'm, I'm not really around. They'll be like, yo, let me try to fit you in here. And then you're like, oh, shit, you know, I got it. You know, you got, I got one gig. Yep. And that one gig later translates to other shit. And before you know it, you'd be doing like four nights a week, I mean, five that, nights a week yeah. at the clubs. Well, Maybe not now, but before it I used think to be now, like that. Well, no, I think now it's like that. You think it's so? like that, yeah. I mean, it's the main thing, man. Just go out. If you feel like if you have a history in that city that you're in and you want to get more gigs, but you seem like you're not getting more gigs, you just got to keep going out, man. Yeah. It has, it has nothing to do with a mixtape or anything like that, even well, though that might help a little bit. I don't even think that'll help. You wouldn't even need to do that. It's all relationships. If you're a good DJ and you're solid, it's mm -hmm. all about going out. Yep. You hear that, Jamie? Uh, yeah, I wrote, that, I wrote all that shit down. <laughs> We've been telling him that since he moved out here. But he don't do nothing. But he don't go out. He just posts emo fucking Instagram stories. No, I don't do that no more. Let's be honest. Wait, since, <laughs> wait, from, stop doing it two weeks ago? Uh, three weeks. We were solid three weeks now. Where he dresses his dog up like a woman and he starts dancing with the dog and shit like that? No, I didn't do that. Whoa, whoa. Who are you wilding? Who are you following, motherfucker? Oh, man. That's anyway, crazy. Going back to politics. Nah, <laughs> speaking of getting wasted, I think Mega Man seen like my like best. Oh, my, my God. Best, poetry. Yeah, my best and worst poetry. moment. Of being drunk ever. Oh, so y'all used to work at poetry together. Um, he would he would open and then the friends and would headline and I would close on Sundays. This was from like oh seven to like oh nine maybe. Yeah, Something I never like understood the opening closing different job thing. Yeah, I mean it was cool because it was like I would show up early for his set. I mean it's good for DJs to yeah. get work, but as a club I would be like it would, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah, should be saving money. Uh, they they were doing really well at the time, so I guess they just made sense of it. But so you were opening, Mike, and then you were closing. Yeah. Okay. And we would both just chill during friends and said drink and just have a good time. So what was this? What what, what happened? What's um, your best and worst moment? We were drinking tequila. We were drinking Patron. <laughs> I know exactly what time um, we're talking about. 
I don't even know why, but I mean the the shots were like half cups of tequila. What the fuck? Y'all and, just, with the devil? and just to be clear, like to this day, I have a problem smelling Patron. Patron Yo, silver. I hate. Like, I hated that era when Patron was the shit. Yeah, yeah. That was the biggest bullshit <laughs> marketing ever. Who the fuck? That was the worst fucking liquor, and I'm glad so, no one fucks with that shit no more, man. Nah, so, like, long story short, um, it's the end of the night. Uh, we hop in my car. Nah, I'm make taking, it, make, I want to hear the full story. What happened? Okay, so we're drinking. I mean, it's at least during Franzen's entire set. So, like, three hours, right? Yeah. And then I go on. For whatever reason, I'm fine while I'm playing. And then we get done. Like, the music's done, and we're still taking shots. Like, some manager decided, like, let's just still take shots. Yeah. So then I drop him off at his car. And then he's like, yo, you good? And then, like, the next day I was like, yo, was I good? He was like, bro, like, I don't even think you could, like, stare at me straight. Like, I had, like, glass eyes. <laughs> like, my eyes were like, like, how, how would you explain it? When I was like, yo, man, you are you good? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. But he's looking this way, and I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't think you're good, man. He's like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. I was like, and I drove home, and then, like, like I, I just, everything came up, man. <laughs> Fell asleep, like, on my, like, bathroom floor. Like in a pile of clothes that needed to be like uh, for laundry, and you threw up in the clothes. <laughs> yeah, nice. Like just comp- like in my underwear, just nice. all fucked up. Yeah. And then how'd you feel about yourself? Horrible. Nice. Like, <laughs> it's like a fucking <laughs> therapy I session. <laughs> I caught him immediately, and I was just like, bro, like I, I don't think I was right for maybe like two days after that. And then even like now, I'm telling you, I can't smell Patron. Like it was damn, just, damn man. I can do Don Julio or anything else, but like Patron just has that distinct smell. It just bothers me. You know what? I feel that way about um, Jaeger. Jaeger. Yeah. Ah, man. I hated that fucking. Jaeger's man. fine no. to me. Patron. I, <laughs> I smoke Patron. A, I used to drink a lot of Jaeger. Is. Oh. <laughs> and then I light in the DJ booth. Remember Brian? Yeah. Halfway, the old lighting guy, old school lighting guy from. Yeah. He used to come in with a bottle. He yeah. wouldn't even get it from the club. He would just come to the club with his own bottle. Yeah. And we'd be drinking all night. That's some Irish me. shit, right? He was Is Irish. It? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Patron shit. I remember I, w- I would like avoid going to the DJ booth when Vice was DJing because I, I knew he was going to try to feed me some fucking Patron. Yeah. And I fucking hate Patron. I hate it. I'm glad that era's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking we Patron everywhere. Good, we had some really good times there. Just, I, I know at the yeah. time, like there weren't too many other oh, spots. That's not even that hip-hop. bad of a story, man. I, know, I mean, right? it felt bad. I thought you were gonna say like you woke up with like a dick in your mouth oh. or something. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Or in your ass. <laughs> Whoa! Pause. Nah, Damn, man. why is dick talk? Man? Whose dick is this? Anyone knows whose dick is this? <laughs> all right, man. So, Sorry. all right. So, like, yeah. Back to like when we were talking. That was like a turning point, though, right? I mean, after yeah. rock, you were like, I don't know if I want to do this DJ shit. Because yeah. we were talking about like the pressures of like drinking and the politics yeah. of everything. And you were like, I'm fucking done with this. I'm going to focus on production. Yeah. At what, mm-hmm. at what point were you like, I'm, I'm done with this? Um, when my remixes started doing really well, I think I was pretty much done. I think I'd already checked out around that time. Because I think I'd also placed my first... Uh, movie placement at the time too so there was like a combination of things going on what do you mean movie placement like i had done some i had done some music for oh my god i'm so so bad with names so it was like a a kevin (laughs) it was like a kevin hart movie with Um, uh, with ice cube right along yeah that's what it was it was like that i had gotten some stuff in that and i just decided that that i needed to move on because that was a sign so exactly what did you do um, there was just some music in there that they used that was mine, but it's also 
they call it programming. So you're basically remixing the score that's already there. So like the the orchestra that's already there, you're adding um, a drum more, yeah, more current elements mm-hmm. to make it sound more uh, modern, I guess. And how did you get um, hooked up with that? That was through a uh, cheap shot. Oh really? Yeah, that's the mm. cheap shot. Cheap shot's another great DJ, and he yeah. was a DJ for who? Somebody? He's done. Right? Was he for he? New Kids on the Block? He was he on Scam yeah, also. He was. He, yeah. was he, he was on Scam. Yeah, he was on, he was on Scam. And he was a, he cheap was shot. Really, really tall, nice guy, right? Like yeah. a teddy bear, right? Kind of like <laughs> attitude. And yeah, he was de- he was DJing for New Kids. New Kids on the Block. He was a toy DJ. And uh, what do you call it? He was also he de- he was part of a group. I remember. I don't. I'm not Styles? sure about that. Styles of Beyond. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a, what was it called? Styles of Beyond. Styles of Beyond. Yeah. yeah. And then, I, 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 like, I stopped hearing from him for a while, and then I bumped into him, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm making like beats for like TV shows, so like all these mm-hmm. uh, like reality shows on like VH1, like yeah, like uh, like the Ray J for the love of Ray J or whatever the fuck. Like he would be making the beats, and I was like, "Wow, you you're making a living off of making beats." He's like, "Yeah, man, like." If it wow. goes, if it goes in like syndication or, you know, if it gets repeated, I, I he's like almost getting royalties off of that shit, right? So smart, the, yeah, the, smart. So he gets like he gets money for the beat, and then he gets like royalties, whenever it starts reappearing anywhere, right? Well, it's it's a different situation every beat. So there's not like, unfortunately, there's not a standard. So sometimes you get a lot of money up front, um, or sometimes you get little money up front, but the royalties are better yeah much better and sometimes that can last a while so you just never know and it, it goes and i don't know he i would say he's one of the only dudes that i know that literally used to throw, throw work to the homies too and then like spread it all out but it was all tv related it'd be like a commercial it'd be yeah. like all of this other shit right yeah so you were doing that off and on yeah and then that's when i um i had moved from vegas, vegas to la and then um through him i got like a couple theme songs and the great thing about theme songs for shows is they run all the time so your royalties are usually like you know if your royalties are a couple grand every month that's still that's that's good. not even yeah. including anything else that you sell so it's like a it, it'll exponentially increase if you keep making more and more and more mm, um, that's good. so wow. the, the whole point is to get more of those beats out there yeah so you have like 50 beats in rotation and different exactly. shows and commercials Exactly. So you're collecting 500 here, 400, 1500, yeah. 2000 and then before you're maybe getting like 10 to 15,000 a month. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And that's how that's how it basically works. And that's another thing that producers don't really know right now. Um, a lot of producers are hurting for money, but the some producers are very smart cuz they're manipulating the way um, the pay works on YouTube. So like if they give you a beat for free, well, it doesn't matter if they give it to you for free because they're taking the revenue that's generated by the views on YouTube, right? And what they do is they also put a preview on SoundCloud. So then they're getting money from the revenue from the preview on SoundCloud, right? And then they put it on Spotify for beats to listen to. So it's like they're selling a beat, but they're also getting the streaming revenue. And that's how they've manipulated streaming revenue to work for the producer. And this is very important for people to understand that this is a way producers are making a shit ton of money right now. So but wait, nobody wait, knows about clarify this. this. So like okay. I like you make a beat for I don't know famous decks, right? I mean we we hear a lot that fucking producers get robbed. Like well, they do. They, that happens quite a bit. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So let's say so you're saying you make a beat for him, but you he in the agreement you say I'm gonna get all the streaming rights. 
or no? Yeah, so so what happens is is the standard in TV and film is they don't get to keep the rights for your music. So that's what people don't know. Th- this is the thing is like if you sell them if you sell them the rights to use it in their commercial or their movie or their TV show, they're not keeping that beat. They're just get, you're granting them permission to use it. So you still own all of it. So if you're producing for a rapper or a singer, it's almost like you're giving them a license to use the beat. Well, see, that's the difference. See, if you produce for an artist, then they want to control or they want to have all of the royalty for the whole song in general. Right, right, right. That's how you get fucked most of the time. Yeah, that's what happened to that song. Uh, the I love the Coke. I love the OT Genesis Coco song. Yeah, yeah. I think the producer sold it for like yeah a thousand or something like so, really something low. like that. Yeah. And then that, that song blew the fuck up and it went all over the place. And then he didn't get money from that because he sold the beat. Has that happened to you? Uh, not that because I knew I knew a little about royalties before I started jumping into this shit like that. So, so wait, what is the royalties you're talking about? I'm talking, okay. I'm t- like you're talking about TV. Okay, so I'm talking about the, the like the BMI and ASCAP publishing okay, royalties. Yeah. But then what I'm talking about, the way people are manipulating the system right now, which is really great that they're doing this, uh-huh. is streaming revenue is a whole nother i think of it as a royalty because it is in my opinion it is but it's just not labeled as that Mm -hmm. so when they put their preview of the beat that a rapper can buy on youtube it's all original material so they're also going to get the streaming revenue so you're actually making double the amount of the royalty for the same exact thing does that make sense so break it down for me so like you make a beat yeah a bunch of rappers like it right they record it on soundcloud but they don't own the rights to that. So exactly. they're streaming. Even let's say a rapper rhymes on your beat and they stream 5 million listens. You get all the money from that because it's your beat? Well, you split the revenue between the artist and, and you. And who works that out? SoundCloud? Well, the, the good thing about it is there's certain websites. I think, there's like, I think it's like BeatStars. They do a great job of like giving you an easy way to, to uh, manipulate the Where it's not the, in the, the hands of the artist, right? Exactly. So they have to go through the site, they have to buy the beat, and then they also have to, uh, there's like a contract thing that's set up for them. So they know they're only keeping, you know, X percentage amount of the whole song and that you're entitled to royalty as Mm -hmm. well. But the royalties you're talking about is the rappers continuously listening to the beat, listening to the beat, people, and the beat becoming famous. Exactly. And then them, and then from that. That's a side, it's a side hustle that people don't even think of. Of just having your beats on YouTube. To try having to sell every it. person, every artist in the world yep. using that, but listening to it over and over and over again, rapping even, at it. They don't even have to use it. What I'm saying is just for people listening to it. Yeah. Because YouTube is just paying you to keep them on YouTube for a long period right. of time. So you're actually making this free money of people just previewing your music. Right. But so, people don't even think of that. It's so just like, like so like rappers usually like I used to rap and my, yeah. uh, we used to like write lyrics and then we rewind the beat. So the the rapper who's writing to your beat some unknown rapper he can play your shit like 500 times and you're gonna get those 500 you're gonna get, you're gonna get the revenue from it jeez that's amazing but people but that's that so that's the new new way mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't know this and i try to tell people but, but you also risk someone stealing your beat yes but the great thing about it is now it's, the technology is getting better to where if they steal it then you can i what is it the system in youtube identifies it yeah. and you can choose to monetize it so that's the difference now is they can steal it. But if your music is, that's the great thing about having it on a place like YouTube or SoundCloud. Once it's able to identify it, you can monetize it. That's so they great. can't really steal it that, that great. So the technology is starting to work in the favor of the, of the producer more. And, and I 
so, appreciate that. So in the end, you're better off putting all your beats on YouTube. Yeah, give them away for free. Give them away for free. You're going to get the streams. If someone steals it, you got the proof. It's almost like a copyright because it was posted on yep, YouTube exactly. and the date's on there. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. And then you're almost better doing that than working behind the scenes with a, an artist. Exactly. Because an artist can easily steal your beat. Yeah. And there's no proof that he stole it, right? Exactly. Wow. And that's why all the best uh, that's why all the best producers in my opinion aren't working with artists. They're doing their own shit. Because they get jacked all the time. You know? Damn. So Damn. now they're just now they're just using the system to manipulate it that way, which is great. So you you went off to, to produce and you said Fuck DJing. I, I'm gonna. It, what, did, what scared you more, the self-destructive aspect, the pressure of it all, or the politics? Well, at, at first I thought it was the drinking and the politics, but then I realized I had something wrong with myself. I realized that I wasn't the best version of myself that I could be, and that's why I was drinking so much. I was trying to uh, forget about that. Damn. So I was trying to. I think I just needed to realize that I need to be more responsible. I don't know if that makes sense, but. It does. Like, like figuring out how to make myself. If you have to drink every night when you're doing something that you say you love, there's a big fucking problem. Let me just say that. Right. That's all I'll say. You shouldn't have to drink if you love DJing every single night. I'm right. not saying it's not cool to have fun, but I mean, I was getting like don't overdo out. it. Yeah, excessively. Yeah, I was getting blacked out. Yeah. yeah. So that's really really. I have bad. one drink, guys. So you don't yeah. think, you don't think that there was a way to um, still DJ, which was something you love, and not have that element be a part of it and you just need to be eliminated from the situation altogether well you see i would you would assume that i would be able to do that but given my history that i didn't know that i didn't i didn't dig uh into my past yet i was really um i was out of control of my uh emotions right so and that's why i was drinking all the time mm -hmm. you know so that's that's something that i i think i was saying more of that when we were having the conversation was yeah. uh, there was something wrong with me but i knew Music was making me more stable, so I needed to focus on that. It wasn't necessarily I wanted to leave DJ, and it was like, wh why am I so out of control with mm -hmm. this, and I'm not as out of control with this? Mm. I remember you were drinking heavily, but it, you weren't out of control. Well, because me had never been out of control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's back in the day, like way, way back in the day, never like fucking got so hammered. You fell asleep while you were DJing. I did. Yeah. <laughs> what? Ooh. In my defense, it was 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you started at like 10.30, right? Exactly, yeah. That's, yeah. Those marathon <laughs> sets in Vegas were crazy. We had no opener, yo. No. Nah. We were doing six, seven, oh, eight yeah. hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, just, it was just more of the way I felt. It felt really bad. It is self-destructive you know I mean? because I have, I, me and uh, four color zach were talking yesterday uh after the, after we recorded and uh not yesterday but yeah saturday no, two days ago no sunday like three days ago yeah Sunday because I, I went to his gig or whatever mm -hmm. um we were talking and we were talking about drinking and djing and how they go hand in hand that yeah. you know you, you you start to hate the crowd if you're sober you never want to get to a point where you're hating the crowd basically right. you know what i mean definitely and then we were kind of talking about like yeah you know i don't know I don't know. Not that we couldn't trust, but we questioned DJs who didn't drink. And we, we thought they could never kind of be eye to eye with the crowd. There's always going to be a, a slight wall there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because everyone is totally hammered. And you're, even though you're playing music for them, you're never really like eye to eye with them. Yeah. So we were talking about DJs who don't drink at all and how 
if they took even one or two drinks, it would just kind of like, you know, uh, lessen the pressure, but also get them a little bit at the same level of like, uh, you know, that was a playing field. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it can it can get I've, I've gotten to certain points where I've 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 been really nervous. And, you know, I get nervous almost at every gig, even though I, I, I try not to show it. I get nervous and I, I'll need like one or two drinks to like settle down and shit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially when I'm out of town because I'm like, I feel like I'm, you know, yeah. I'm like, where the fuck? I don't know what to play. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. and if the opener's like killing it, I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I'm following that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, damn, I got to play after this motherfucker. I'm like, fuck. So, but yeah, I mean, so, so then you started focusing on production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you did some shit for Lady Gaga, right? Yeah, I did the. I was scoring the strings at the beginning of the guy extended video that she had, mm. but it was like a last minute addition to the to the video. Like they already had the video made, and they, there needed to be a section of music in between, like because it was like a. It's one of those videos where like there's one song before it gets to the main song, so they needed oh. to be there needed to be something in between. Uh-huh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was doing the strings. Were you, because uh, White Shadow was kind of like creative directing or like producing the whole, like he was uh, producing. With, yeah, yeah, that's uh, who I was yeah. with. It was, yeah. it was me and uh, White Shadow. White Shadow was like a, a DJ from Chicago. Yeah. And then he was DJing in LA and linked up with Lady Gaga. I thought it was in New York. Yeah, no, it was in New York. It was in LA. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't sure. I yeah. Because okay. I believe he, he, he went to LA and he was in the LA scene and he linked up with Gaga. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they were like doing production and. You did some work on her second album, second and third? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was always wondering if you did any production actually on the album or not. No, not on the album. Not it was just for album? the it was just for the for the video. For the video? Yeah, yeah. And then is there so how did that work? Did you work with any other artists and in, into pushing into production or like into doing any albums or songs or anything oh, like that? Oh, you mean that? just in, in general? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh why well, did the was it the little John and, and uh, Tiger record Bendover. with uh, yeah that was with Chronic did that um, what was your role with that that was what you write because it said you wrote some of it what song um, is this bend uh, over bend over make your knees touch it oh yeah. I think um, what did they send me I think when I got when it got sent to me it was like a kick drum snare a sound like a lead sound and maybe it was the vocals so the rest is all me I think so the whole melody of the beat no I think that was Chronic that did the did the main drop melody but if you listen to like the dr- the way the drums are in that record and if you listen to any of my twerk remixes you'll notice it's basically the, the same patterns. Patterns. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so. crazy. crazy did you get it's paid like, off of that yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah it, it did really well too because it, it also got the um what is like the parks and rec placement which I think I'm still getting paid for that. Oh, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was on Parks and Recreation. It was on Parks and Recreation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a season episode? finale. Oh, yeah. really? So, on the finale, that's good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Sure. So no way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that, and then uh, the Pitbull stuff. Um, what did you freak, do with uh, Pitbull? Freak? Was oh, that yeah, you? Freak, and then... The other one, the one with J-Lo. Oh, yeah, there was one with, the one with J-Lo. Did you work um, with J-Lo? Let us know, bro. Give us the gems. No, most of, you know, most of these artists, they have uh, they don't really go into studio sessions as much, and they already have a team of people that are recording and editing, editing their vocals mm-hmm. already. So most of the time, if I get stuff from them, it's, but it's it the said, vocals already d- polished. Didn't you write some for that J-Lo and Pitbull song? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we worked on that stuff, but that was like a ton of different people working on that. Oh, okay. So That's crazy. There was that... Yeah, I mean, I have, and then some of the stuff that I that I've made with artists, it just never, it never happens. You know, what I mean? they just didn't put it on the album. Yeah, you also mentioned you uh, you work with Sia, right? 
Oh yeah, I did a session with her and uh, Lady Gaga, which was is it Sia? Sia, is it Sia? S I A, Sia. What was that song she had? Chandelier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sure it's not Sia? She has cheap thrills too, right? Is that cheap thrills? Yeah, cheap thrills. Yeah, yeah. Is it Sia? I don't know. I always always say Sia. You would know. You worked there. I thought it was Sia. I said Sia. She didn't. She didn't yell at me. So really? Yeah. I think I don't know. You worked with her. You said she, you called it Sia. She didn't she say anything called, when I said she it. She would have called you out. <laughs> she was like, Sia. She was like, nah, fam. Did she have the wig on? No. Nah. She's act, no. She's actually really cool. Actually, very normal. Just I thought she was a, music. I thought she was younger than what I saw her age was. I was like, whoa. How, how old is she? Forty-two. Oh yeah. Oh wait, what? Yeah. yeah. I thought she was older. You thought it was a little girl. I thought she was she in wrote, her twenties. She wrote an umbrella, right? Yeah. Um, with the dream. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I thought the dream was. Sia did Umbrella? Uh, she did um See Sia sounds better. It sounds what she called. Sia sounds exotic. Yeah. A more exotic. I'm telling right. you, I have thought at award shows. They're like Sia. Maybe. She did uh Diamonds, Rihanna. Actually, uh, I diamonds, actually yeah. think I actually think it's not even Rihanna on the hook. I think it's actually her. I don't think they switch oh, out her really? vocal. Yeah, I don't think they switch out her vocal. If you listen closely, I think it's still her vocal. Oh shit. Oh, we gotta go back. Because some of that, that vocal, um, what do you call it? Uh vocal changes that Saya does, uh-huh. Rihanna like kind of emulated that shit. Damn. I'm about to go back and listen. Can now. I be yeah. as bold to say that? That Not it all. affected That's some of her yeah. It influenced her? It yeah. Because you hear some of that shit in Saya's songs. Yeah. Sia's songs. Sia. Sia doesn't sound right. <laughs> Saya sounds right. I mean, she's done a ton of songs, though. Yeah. Like, just people just don't know. Like, yeah. I even I don't even know she did some of Adele's stuff. I mean, she just... Oh, wow. She just smashed. How is it working with her? I mean... Well, you were in the studio with her, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just... A different experience, right? Actually, like, producing a song with with the writer? I mean, when it's somebody like her, I mean, you could write 10 songs probably in two hours, you know? Wow. But when it's other people, sometimes... It takes... Well, I mean, everybody's good at what they do, but, sh- you know, there's... They're really exceptional, obviously. What she song just, was it? The one I did with her? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. This None of this came out. Oh. I still have it sitting in a hard drive at my house. If you want to send oh, it to wow. us, we play it right before this podcast. <laughs> How does that work out? Is that the label just says, no, nah, we, we don't think this is going to do, like, th- we, this doesn't sound right for the album? I think some stuff just never, people don't even, they almost, like, forget it exists sometimes. But a record like with with fucking her and Lady Gaga, that's pretty something hard to forget. Well, how reckless is it if you leaked it? I get sued probably immediately. Yeah, (laughs) I mean they had they had uh, you can't do the shaggy shit. It wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) They they actually had an assistant um, when we were about to leave the studio. Like go and I think she was investigating everybody's laptops to see who was taking what home. So that's how serious it is. So you don't have any of the music that you did with her. No, I do, but I would get sued probably. Because they would know it was directly from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so they're really... Is there other yeah. artists you work with that you're like, yo, I wish that came out, or a cool story that you enjoyed, like this one? Um, no, I mean, I like everything that I work on, you know? It's almost like I don't, I don't... It doesn't really matter who the person is as long as whatever comes out great. That's all I'm worried about. Yeah. Well, so um, going back to Saya, how was yeah. that shit? Like, how was it working with her? I mean, it's incredible because she has a song ready for you in about 15 minutes. And then you just have to... A full song? Yeah, in her head. She'll have it. So what comes 15, first in minutes. that, in that uh, circumstance or situation? Play some chords on the piano. So you're just fucking around. Yeah. You're trying to find something. And then she's listening. And then 
you're finding and you guys kind of find it together? Well, the, okay, so here's the thing about really good writers. They almost can't hear anything that you're not ready to make a song because they're so good. Whatever chord pro- progression you're going to play, they can write over it. At that level, people are so great that it doesn't matter what you're going to present. They're just going to go whatever you give them. They can make anything work. Yeah. So that's the thing about like musicians that are all like at that level. Same Interesting. With, same with jazz musicians, too. You give them whatever, they're going to be able to play. So whatever you present, just make sure it's your, your best because you only get that one time to make sure that whatever it is is going to be the best possible so did you did you have some beats that you had ready that you just played her or you just try to find it at that at that point no i was i was so from what i understood was that lady gaga wanted songs written but starting out with just a piano and then to build on top of that Mm -hmm. i don't think that's what ended up happening i think what ended up happening was maybe it was they were using beats more because they could catch a vibe a little bit better if the whole beats there right but i really enjoy starting from just the piano because Uh The thing about if you write the song just from like a piano and a singer, then if if that's great, any way you produce it is great, because the song is is the key. It's not the production. It's kind of like in in film, it's the story, the meat and potatoes sure. of the story. As yeah. long as the story is good, you can build off of that no matter what. Yeah, because think about how many average beats you hear, but the song is the most catchiest thing of all time. Right. So it does. The song is the most important part overall, and then the beat can be produced anyway. Wow. So, but a lot of people it's don't think of it that way, you know, because it's a real good perspective. Because, uh, like Diane Warren, who's re- written millions of hits, all of her songs, when she would have her um, producer produce them for her, she would have a country version done, R and B version, pop version, or whatever, and she would submit them all like that at the same time, mm-hmm. because she knew that the song was that great. So it was just a matter of presenting it in a way people understood and understood it in their genre, and th- that's how she got millions of placements with everybody but people they're not thinking about the song first they're thinking about well it's got to sound like this you know like something in this genre instead of just worrying about every single word make sense yeah Yeah. so in like in when so right now in production is it just a bunch of different projects that just come to you whether it could be a song tv artist and it, it just anything could drop on your lap pretty much yeah for the most part yeah and it's but it's just trying to stay as busy as possible yeah, but at the same time, um, so, you know, I took this year to kind of just do these videos because I was yeah, so, having a lot of time with so them. Mike's been doing these these Instagram videos where he records ambient noises oh, yeah. in different places. Like, yeah, so, he went to a garage and you were like, you were hitting like the rims and yeah, you were yeah. doing the horn. And you even came by our offices yeah, and you came by new and you were like banging on, you know, like you were doing register sounds and yeah. like hitting the the racks with uh, the clothes on it yeah and uh we were even slapping like uh, slippers together yeah, like slides <laughs> together yeah and uh rip the, sh- the clothes the and you're doing and you've been doing those videos just as kind of like to kind of to help market yourself bring put you out there a little bit well it, w- it wasn't i know that's what it looks like but it wasn't that's not really what happened what happened well, i don't, I don't uh, think it looks like that i just think functionally i think it's smart to put yourself out there, you know? It's not, but I wasn't even trying to do that. It was just kind of like, I was starting to notice that things have, uh, things have a harmony naturally. So and then when I did the, when I did the Cadillac, the lowrider thing. This goes car, back to the needle hitting the groove on the record. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I was, when I was recording these things, I started to notice when I would compress them like really hard in, in the, in Ableton, when I would play them, when I play the sounds, it sounded exactly like, 
some new sound that somebody was trying to create. And I was like, wait a second, this whole time we're trying to recreate what's already out there. And that's when I understood something way, there was something different going on with me that I was starting to discover different things about music. And that's what basically led to the, the thing I did for the Serato sample competition, but I didn't ask for votes, but I did the, our solar system is in a musical key mm. uh, with the frequency of the planets. And then that's when I started to learn more about math and all that other stuff. I went down many rabbit holes for this information. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. But yeah, so Mike, Mike goes deep. Pause. Like <laughs> he goes, he goes in the guts. He goes in the guts. Heavy, heavy pause on yeah. that one. No, but yeah. you dig deep. Pause. Like I would, st- yeah, it's pause. But <laughs> <laughs> he digs deep. I mean, so deep that like I would have to like say, all right, I don't want to go any more deeper than that. Like we would talk, and I was like, that's good enough. Like Shit. anything, anything more would be like past my cerebral, like uh, I don't know, capacity or whatever yeah. the fuck. But yeah, I want to talk about a couple of things. I'm I'm interested in like we talked we touched on a little bit of uh, like production like. Basically, like, how to become a working DJ. That's what we are in the end. Like, that's what Reflections of a DJ is, working DJs. Mm-hmm. We, we're not superstars. We're not, like, whatever. And I wanted you to come in here. You're very talented. And I wanted to know the everyday working producer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we've talked about commercials and, and, and even TV and then doing putting your shits on YouTube and everything like that. And now we're on the, the Instagram videos. Mm-hmm. And then what, what was the feedback with the, uh, the solar system? thing that you did the frequency i mean it was uh is that I, competition I, I still going or what's, what's going on with that no no it, they gave it to they gave it to dj paypal i don't even know where he's from his name is paypal yeah i've never he's from cali yeah so he's a west coast okay. DJ. that awful yeah. ass name definitely west coast <laughs> um, <Not> west coast <laughs> but what was what was so cool about doing the competition was i didn't so when i first learned about this and i was trying to explain to people i was getting this weird reaction some people were completely amazed by it, mm-hmm. and other people were just like blank. And it was really weird. I, I still don't know what that means. It's almost like if you know the, maybe if you know the planet planets are in this musical harmony together, it challenges all of your foundational thinking that you've ever thought of before. So it's going to scare people what that means, in a way, because they don't understand. I what don't that really means. understand what it means. If you could break it down, so like in, like if you're yeah. talking to a five year old. <laughs> And the five-year-old here would be me. Well, that and it's, Jamie. It's kind of it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to explain if you just. It's. I mean, I'm sure there's better examples like on YouTube because I'll probably butcher the explanation. No, but, it's fine. But what all I did was we're I not found, we're not eloquent people. Here. Okay, the, you're the most eloquent person we've had here. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me tell you how the easy way I thought it was presented because I thought the presentation made it a lot easier to understand than probably talking about it. Yeah. So I basically uh, took samples from the frequencies of the planets from different YouTube videos. There's a bunch of YouTube videos where they have When those. you say frequency, you yeah. mean like a planet spins, right? And, is, it, it, is and it, it resonates at a specific frequency. Okay. <laughs> re, re, reset that because he's lost. You got it? Uh, kind of. I mean, like, it, like I don't, don't want to try to explain the, it because well, I'm dumbest, bad at explaining it. Well, the dumbest way to say it is that, you know, a planet makes a sound. Is that what right. it is? Yeah. Because yeah. there, okay, let's put it this way. There's vibration and there's energy and everything, uh-huh. right? You, would you agree with, agree with that? I would agree with that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so just think of the planet as like, there's this vibration mm-hmm. and you can measure it. There's ways to measure it and they've measured it specific ways. Yeah. 
So see, my my thing is, I don't think people were. You said some people didn't react; they didn't know how to react, and I think people didn't react because they didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, no, I. And and yeah, I think sure. no one wants to admit they're stupid. Like no one wants to comment. <laughs> like what? What's the frequency? Like you know what I mean? Oh yeah, and for I sure. think no, that's I where I think it was. I think that's where because I was one of them. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'm assuming he means planets make sound. So, <laughs> but it sounded dope. But no one really knows. You know, it's not like it's not like a Pepsi can like getting crushed. You're like, oh, that's a Pepsi can getting crushed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, it's like yeah, it's the sound of the planet. Yeah. And if you explain that to a regular, they're like, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where whereas he'd be like, "Oh shit, he made a beat out of like the Pepsi can getting crushed." That's crazy. Yeah, but they're not really like, oh, like you know, the sounds of the planet aren't an everyday. Well, well some people know what concept. It means. Some people knows what it means. Yeah. yeah. But what's crazy to me, the was people in here don't know what it means. <laughs> so I, 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 I found yeah. the video. You want me to play the sound? The four morons in here don't know what it means. <laughs> I found the, the video. And then Mr. Internet here. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. All right. So each one of those notes is a different planet. Says who? Says me. <laughs> so what I'm doing is I'm only playing the notes that directly correlate to each planet. There's or, nothing else. And that that's where the planet's blinking in there. Yeah. That's the notes of the planet. I yeah. mean, that's deep. I didn't even get that. No, but that's but see, I didn't ask for votes because I didn't want it. No, to I don't be, even care about the votes. Yeah. I'm saying on a cerebral level, that just went that you just went yeah. so deep. Yeah, pause. Yeah, but some people know know like you were almost hitting lava, like you went all the way to the <laughs> core of the earth. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that was dope. It's fun. You know what? It sounded <laughs> oh like uh, the Stranger Things fucking intro. Well, okay. So think about that. Real wait, wait, quick. wait, Jamie. Did you understand what that? I mean, initially before we started talking about, did you understand what that was? Yeah, I had watched it. Yeah. You understand that each note was from every different. Yeah, because it, p- it pops up. It's kind of visual. You know, he's I gonna say yeah. yeah. You know, he's gonna say yeah. I don't believe you, Jamie. Here, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Internet. Anyway, so the Stranger Thing. It sounds like the <laughs> intro to that. Well, but see, think about that for a second. Why does? That's when I started questioning. Well, why do things sound like that? Yeah. And why do we think we're? So, what I'm saying is, are we creating music, or is the music creating us? And I think it's, the music is creating us. We're not creating it at all. And ladies wow. and gentlemen, that's it for this podcast. We're all <laughs> fucked in the mind right now. So you're saying the music is alive. The, the music is... Yes. Like the planets, if they're in a harmony, musical harmony together, well, well that, to me that suggests that the reason why people can't explain chills is because it's like, it's something else. It's something else in your biology re- trying to give you this positive reinforcement that if we all work together this way, then you'll be able to create something that's grand as the universe. So you're saying the music has more power than a human being? Yes, that's what I'm saying. I would agree. And it transcends everything. Because if it's the universe... By the way, universe, one song. Wow. I mean, technically, that's the definition. Is that what it is? One sound. It's one song. So if you're not... I mean, it's not written that way in the dictionary, but if you... What is that, Greek universe? If you listen to old of old ancient sound healers and you start doing like um, ancient Egyptian research, you'll find out really quickly like it's not what the definition is in our dictionary. It means one song. Yep, and they have old uh, stories where the, the ancient Egyptians have old stories where it says it says something like the planets sing to you the what is it the sun and the moon worship you mm-hmm. and stuff like this and it's like they they say exactly this stuff. 
like there's this musical harmony in the universe already. And it's like, why is nobody teaching that in music theory? I never learned that. They only teach you a set of rules. And they say, well, there you go. But to me, if you, if you teach somebody that, it doesn't matter what song you make because the universe has made everything through this harmony, then it take, you have to take your ego out of making music altogether because you're never going to make something as great as that. And then you can only do it for like to give back or you know, out of love for music, which I think is more important. But nobody ever teaches that. It's deep. I don't, I don't, I don't grasp the whole concept yet. But it, I, I get an idea of what you're talking about. If that makes any sense, well, which I'm a little, I'm a little fuzzy. Okay, which part? I'm a little fuzzy with the, the like that music exists and that the sounds like you're saying nothing is greater than the unified sound of of the universe. Of, let's just say our solar system because that's what I did. Okay. So the mm-hmm. the solar system is in F sharp minor. Why is it in F sharp minor? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. I couldn't tell you either. But it, it has I to mean, be. I mean, we're, we're classifying that as a sh- uh, F, sharp. F sharp minor. Yeah, I mean, you could another be. planet could hear that and say it's C, it's C, right? No, because it's their C. Do you but, understand but, what but, I mean? But that's relative. Pitch. You're talking about relative, but for so for us, relative, it's an F sharp. Okay, mm-hmm. but but even mathematically, it, they have to be. But it's still us defining that. But the frequen- tone. Okay, but what I'm saying right? is the frequencies have to be so far apart to create a harmony. If they're too close together, you're going to hear it as, like, the off-key singer at the karaoke night. Do you understand what I mean? Okay. They're creating a smooth harmony, like, what the, like a choir. What, what does that mean? Well, you said F-sharp minor? Yeah. What does that mean if it's an F-sharp minor? Is that, like, a, a certain – is there, like, a certain warm sound to that? Or is it, you know – It's um, it's just, the no- like, you sit on a piano and you play all the notes within – But, you know, like, out of, out of all the notes, is that one of the warmest or is it the most – you know what I mean? Because well, everything's made in like C, right, or something like that, or some in, shit like that. In, uh, in pop music, yeah, everything's in a C. I even have a theory about that. I just haven't proved it yet. But what's I'm the theory? Close. Yeah, this motherfucker belongs on NASA. Like, I mean, the the national. <laughs> 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 like, and this motherfucker belongs like in in some fucking laboratory, bro. So my theory about he's a genius. Yeah, he owes it all to CyberKid. CyberKid, <laughs> one more time, one time, you. And you found his prodigy, man. Cyberkid implanted a caterpillar into his head, and it's still living in there. <laughs> like no, this, no, this can see. help like the astronauts and shit. Like I'm just, that. I'm just the very astronauts? curious. I'm very astronauts. Curious. This yeah. is the guy that knew what his the, the, the his frequency beat was, and you can't say astronaut. I can't. I can't. I have, I, NASA. Not, yeah. yeah. He said I NASA. Can't, I can't say it right. Can't when say you, some words right. When you said NASA. You meant NASA. NASA. There. Holy <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Hey. Well, it's like, okay, have you ever seen Cymatics? No. Okay, so there's is. a bunch of videos on, on YouTube. What Cymatics is, is like, if, you, if you're if you singing, right? Yeah. You, you I want you to sing, too, and, and do this, all right? Sure. Wait, no, the singer's Darren. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Darren, too. So <laughs> I they, don't know about that. <laughs> they, put, um, they put salt on, uh, like, a, I think it's like a, some people do it on a sheet of, I don't know if it's metal, and some people do it on a sheet of, it looks like paper, but I don't think it is. And if they, if you sing a note, when you hit the note, the sand or the salt actually forms a shape, a geometrical shape. Consistently. Consistently. With each note. With each note. And as you, if you go up an octave, which is the same note but an octave higher, it doubles the formation of the, the what you just saw. Okay. So what happens is, is like, you can actually see music at that point. 
Mm. And then so there's people that have done like massive research on like some of the designing, some of the designs on like the ancient temples. And they've discovered that some of the ancient chants are actually represented in shapes, cymatic shapes. So you can actually translate what, based on the geometrical what, shape. What, what the is the culture that like adapted that? This is all Egyptian stuff that, Egyptian. I've, read, that I've read about. Yeah, Africa. So right. like, yeah. damn. So you can actually see somebody's <laughs> voice. But again, this is not stuff that's taught. This is stuff you have to search for. Mm. And I'm always a curious guy when it comes to music because I don't, I don't understand why I love it so much. Very curious. Yeah. yeah incredibly. Curious. <laughs> Shit. He's in lava right now, I told you. Yeah, he's in the core. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, my, my theory about the C, um, because the number 33, which is like, I don't know, people say it's a Freemason number or whatever. I don't know. But so 33 octaves below C, if your instrument is tuned to a specific a specific um, tuning, it is the Earth's frequency. Now, why is that? I have no idea. Do you? No. You just say that one more time, just in case it went over. <laughs> <everyone's> <laughs> well, like, it goes yeah. over. It goes over my Wait, head. Just in case. Yeah. Just, in case yeah. just in case it went. Who's all over whose head? Your head. <laughs> everyone's head. <laughs> Your head. head. Speak for yourself, motherfucker. I got it. Okay. <laughs> My head. I just wanted to hear that. Basically, one more time. thirty-three. Uh, yes, yeah, octaves below sea level is the Earth's frequency. No, but below, below. Okay, so middle C on the keyboard. Yeah. Or this is this is the way what somebody told me the way they explained. Oh, it. I thought you meant like C, like the ocean. No, no, no. no like the chord. So no, if, if so, the frequency that it, the the note is at. <laughs> I yeah. I guess you needed <laughs> to say yeah, it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 33 octaves below the sea. What is he? Okay. All right. I got it now. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something that I'm, I don't, I don't really understand what tuning they're using. This is all like semi new information. I'm trying to figure out what they're using. But if you notice, like 33 shows up in a lot of random places. So basically, like the turntable. You're, you're saying the note, the C note, <laughs> C major, right? C major, right? Yeah. That's like. Well, not, not C major, but just C on the key. On C on the key, yeah. right? So C is like start. It's like zero, isn't it? Kind of at the piano a little bit. That's the thing. It's not. It's not zero. But you know what I mean. It's like the starting point. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like, know the frequency off the top of my head, but yeah, I know what you mean. I like when I was learning piano. C was like you know C first. C is like right, yeah. one on yeah right. It's yeah. like number one kind of right. But okay, so why do they teach it as one when it's not one? When A is actually one. Is it? Yes. I mean, in my head, I feel that C is one. Yeah, they say middle C, but why are they teaching it that way? Because I'm thinking mm. it's the mid the middle of the piano, but it isn't. No, it is the middle. But what I'm saying is, is I think a lot of people are doing these things subconsciously. Uh -huh. And this stuff is like ancient information that's being passed along. That's just ingrained in, in your biology. That's what I really think. Because there's no reason to, to teach it as middle C necessarily. You could just go, well, here's A. And here's A again. Because okay. A is technically the start. Well, he's saying it's C, 33 octaves below, which is like, you know, no piano has 33 octaves below, right? Correct. So you're saying that that octave, that low ass octave, is, is, the, is the sound of is the sound. That's of what Earth. somebody. This may be incorrect. I don't know, but that's what somebody explained to me. And the reason why it's so crazy that that is true is because if you look at the old, um, if you just study like what electricians do, there's always a 33 somewhere. And then when you start noticing that they have a 33 somewhere, if you look into their history, there's some sort of spirit spirituality attached. To them. Well, you were saying something about the technique turntable. Yeah. Yeah. Please yeah. go into that because that got me aroused. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Well, well, okay. So what Let I. Let me slide over. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, oh, also, if anybody can clarify the whole 33 octaves below, because I would like to know more information about that. I don't really understand that part 100%. But. I think Cyber Kid knows. He'll tell <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anybody that listens to us smarter than you, bro. Oh, my God. But, yeah, please go into that techniques. That, that's so the techniques. The guy You're saying the guy who designed the techniques turntable. I believe he was he was a very electrician that was very spiritual at the same time. Now, I don't know him, but I could I just if you follow the paths of when you start finding these electricians that have the number 33 and 13 attached every now and then you'll start noticing that there's definitely people that were trying to pass along their beliefs into their crafts or into their inventions into their and we all we all know the speed the speed of a turntable at regular speed is 30, is 33, 33 and a third yeah but why though that's weird if you look at if you look at the old uh, so you think on wikipedia yeah. the rca dude that was talking about why is it spin at 33 he says well it just sounded better that's the reason that's that does, does that sound like a real reason I mean, it doesn't really sound like a real reason to me so you think that electrician wanted 33 and decided on 33 because he knew something about it like what is Let, it well let's just say let's just say it doesn't necessarily matter if he knew something about it it's just odd that it, it turned out that it, it yeah it, it was that number that's yeah. freaky yeah and at the time i think um man i really don't know this information very well but like i know people called him uh a god of i don't know if it was like he was an electrician or something I can't remember exactly, but then he wrote a book, and he's like, he became a billionaire. But when he made the company, tech, what started out as the company, Panasonic and Techniques and all that stuff, right. I believe he was go he was going broke. Like I said, I don't know the story, but it sounded like to me what happened was almost by miracle, something, a big order of something came in, but it wasn't normal that anybody would get that order at that time period. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a kind of a, a bad time from what I understand, it was during around the time of a war, and I think they were going to draft him, and uh, his workers really petitioned for him to not to go. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is these people that have these beliefs also put it into their inventions, and it's made with a lot of love. Right. And it's, it's just remarkable to me that the, tur the turntable hasn't disappeared. Think about how long it's actually been around. Well, this is the and the Technique 1200 too, yeah. right? So like, well, let's go back to the Technique 1200 because you said something about the dish and the dots in the dish. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So I think I I think I found a temple that has the actual dots on the side because they're circles. Yes, they're little circles. And then if you look at so then if you go and into, then the dish um, is a circle, so it's like circles on a circle, you know. Yeah, and then it's and then it's rotating at 33. Now let's just say if what that person told me was true about the frequency of the earth being 33 yeah eventually so it's basically the world spinning below. at 33 yeah the frequency this is kind of like <laughs> this is like boomerang remember when martin, martin. lawrence used to be like <laughs> yo with the pool, pool table with the pool, pool table, table the pool table is green this is the earth <laughs> and you don't win the game till you put the black, the black ball, ball against the white ball <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what's funny about you know what's funny about you bringing up a pool table yeah uh, but this was going to go into uh what i was going to talk about next was Walt disney has the same thing the 33 club 33 oh what is that that's the exclusive I've heard club about that yeah the exclusive club that you have to be a member to but the waiting list is so long you basically can never get in mm, but he so has the club 33 right so so the thing is all the stuff has been leading me to try to figure out where are all these hidden things right so then i was at disneyland the other day and uh i was with, I was with the family i think my mom said something so i was looking at the the map for disneyland and I was like, 
oh shit, it's a crucifix. It's actually designed on a crucifix, on a cross. And the, the Sleeping Beauty castle is to represent heaven, and it's at the top of the cross. And now in the middle is where the statue of him and Mickey is. And then to the right is like representing the right hemisphere of the brain, where it's Tomorrowland, it's the imagination. Left is like Frontierland, where you're going through the, the battles. And I just was like, nobody sees this. What the fuck? And then I was, so then I was like, well, where's the 13 at then? Because I know the 13 exists, right? So then I was like, <laughs> I couldn't find it at the park. And then I remember, I was like, fuck, I don't know where it's at. So then I was like, I was doing something. And then I saw the address and it's 1313 Disneyland Drive. <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, that is fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but in order for you to really see this stuff, I also read a book that um, Presto had given me. It was about numerology. Who? Presto. Uh, DJ Presto. Yeah, Presto uh-huh. one. Uh, he had given me a book about numerology. And then, so when you understand some of the, n- the number stuff, you'll start seeing that people do things subconsciously that have to do with the numbers that, that are very creative. Wow. Jeez. I know it's really far out, but yeah. it's, it's actually true. Because uh, Disney also released a cartoon, going back to the pool thing, he released a cartoon with Donald Duck, <laughs> and he shows how you can use the math to perfectly play pool, if you can believe that. Interesting. The ancient Egyptian yeah, math. So yeah. It's just, stuff. I mean, that's crazy about Disney, <laughs> Disneyland. <laughs> but going back to what you're saying, that obviously Walt Disney was implementing his beliefs, his spiritual beliefs, yeah. into this park and he wasn't hiding it he wasn't hiding it no, there's no hiding it and um you're talking about the design of the technique and then the dots came from what an egyptian, egyptian thing it looks like it's from an egyptian temple but i haven't seen actual pictures of it so i don't i don't want to make a claim and it's not quite accurate right right but it looks almost like it's laid out exactly the same as the side of the platter of the technique's turntable and what message do you think he was trying to say with that because you mentioned the war and him doing badly in business and all of this shit you think there was a like a spiritual message he was trying to say and you and you we mentioned this before too like you said the turntable's still around yeah, yeah, and people always describe it as, it just feels better. It feels better. Everyone still uses it because it feels better. To me, that's not normal. And it, But see, if you once you dive down like and start studying about the spiritual side of like the math, mm-hmm. you'll start noticing people say, well, it just feels right. Like the RCA guy says, it just sounds better. That's always the reasoning. There's never like a definitive reasoning why they're using it that way. It's just like, well, it just sounds better. It just It's better. It's better. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. explanation. The turntable shouldn't still be around, technically speaking. It's, uh, 1972, the technique came out. Yeah, so it's like, it should, should be, be gone. Around, yeah. So because with technology and the technological advances we have, a product from 1972 shouldn't still be relevant just yeah. off of the fact that it feels good. Yeah, but also, I think that's But what also I think. think about the way technology moves so fast, right? Mm-hmm. Why haven't we emulated it in some way, in a better way? Right. But we can't. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? How many turntables have come out and we still go back to technique? Yeah, and whenever anyone tries to emulate the dish or anything, it still goes back to the technique. Everyone's yeah. trying to emulate that feel and everything. Yeah, and so people that understand this, they have a really deep sense of spirituality and a deep sense of math. And to me, that's great because it's showing that you don't have to criticize science and you don't have to criticize your anybody's spirituality. They can both coexist, it can, uh, and you can make something that's actually that's amazing. A, that's a beautiful statement, yeah. right there. Yeah, that so you, that's, can, you can have your spiritual beliefs and you yep. can appreciate science and they can go hand in hand. That's yeah. great. Yeah, facts. And that's that's the 
these are, people but, believe in those kind of outcomes. You know? But isn't that also me and you? We talk about it. That also has to do with the brain, right? Yeah. The two parts of the brain you always talk about, and we and I brought it up earlier today about pain and all of that shit. And you were like labeled as a genius, right, or something? Well, we were highly on the creative side, like ninety in the in the ninety nine. What was this test? What was this test? It was just uh, one of those cyber. You took cyber kids <laughs> test. Oh and then Did he bring it? A cyber kid took you to take the test. <laughs> cyber, <laughs> cyber cyber kid gave you a ride. Oh, to he take drove the test. you. He drove you. <laughs> Cyber kid on the 33 club at Disneyland that we don't know. I bet you the license plate on that car was 33, 33. or something. Was it an oh, aptitude like test or was it like a? No, it was just well, it, there was a couple tests I took, but the piano one is a little is a little bit different than. Plus, I didn't keep up with piano to work on that. So mm-hmm. yeah, in psychology, I, I learned that about the, the 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 brain. I guess I forgot somebody had like a piece of like metal pole in through their head, and his creative side still worked. I forgot who it was, but let's yeah. have Michael uh, describe this. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he's more in tune than that than that shit. Wait, wait, break this down. Break this test down that said you scored like a ninety percent in creativity. I mean, yeah, ninety nine percent. What are I mean, the two sides? What are the two sides? One is the creative and, side of the brain, and one's conscientiousness. Break that down. Conscientiousness meaning like you functionality. Well, okay, like the way I, the well, I'm I'm not an expert on conscientiousness, obviously, since yeah. I scored. Super like low. Basically, <laughs> basically, yeah, like, exactly. is it like logistics? Like, oh, what's in the left side and what's just, on the right side? It's just, it's almost like a common a, sense. It's almost like I'm, I'm probably labeled as ADD, ADHD because I'm always taking in all this information all the time. That's the creative thinker. The conscientious guy can like sit down and focus on one task at a time, and he can like really just do that. And nothing's more important than that at the sec at I that moment it. time. I got it. Where you're building constantly, building ideas and formulas in your head. And is the one guy that's like, here's the task. We got to get this done. And they focus on that. Yeah. Okay. And they're also able to negotiate really well for themselves and all that stuff. So uh, it's basically business. It's the yeah. business side. Right. Yeah. Actually, I think there's a test where it shows that. Would you, would you say it's the business money-making side? Yeah. It's the negotiation part. Yeah. yeah. It's um, the side of, oh, that's, that's crazy that your brain breaks down the creative side and then like the, the business money-making side. Yep. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. So the people that have, I think there's a there's a study. People, I think some people get offended by it, but I th- I love learning all this stuff. Is that if you're more conscientious, it's a uh, a better way to know that you'll be successful in life because you're only going to do what you need to do any at any given time. So I'm just thankful I'm still <laughs> putting food on the table at you know 99. percent That's pretty pretty far out. Wait. So what's your creative ranking? It's like in the 99th percentile. 99% creative. Yeah. yeah. And, and 1%, then 1% business guy. Something like that. Really? Yeah. I think, only have like, I think I only have like 2% conscientiousness or something like that. Holy shit. Can we all take this test, guys? <laughs> so, I'm, on all, little, on all I'm a little tests. scared to take this test. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say that. I don't know if I want to take the test. I want to know that much about myself. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, and then we talk about pain, right? Yeah. So, you... you Introduced this theory to me. Well, I always, I kind of knew it already, but you really broke it down. And then you even told me. I remember we were talking about Quincy Jones, right? Mm-hmm. He's the dude that uh, Mike's the dude that like actually broke down Quincy Jones, right? Oh, you're talking about when he was waking up the yeah, yeah. Musician? We'll yeah. talk about that later. I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about pain because you were telling me like this. You can't compare to basically the pain of a of a black man, right? And 
somehow their music is always more soulful. And, a, and oh a, yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah i had that idea and i fl- yeah had written about it yeah and then the video i mean not the video their vocals even this their you know their talent exceeds yeah. more musically creatively yeah because of the pain that yeah that like black people have gone through yeah definitely i want you to kind of break that down a little bit well this is another idea i had randomly i don't know where some of these come from but I was thinking about mu- the evolution of uh, a lot of the music, and what I thought was really remarkable that nobody really points out is that um, gospel jazz musicians have created a modern jazz system where you can basically play whatever you want, as long as you stay away from the four um, in the, well, I guess if anybody knows what I'm talking about. But there's a specific note you stay away from as you're playing, and as long as you stay away from that, then anything else fits. And I thought that was really remarkable because, you know, with the... Uh, with the let's just say white church because i don't know what else the yeah yeah. you know whatever yeah with the music it's stayed the same for an extended period of time right like really really long you're talking about like like irish catholic yeah 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 like catholic yeah yeah. because i I was raised catholic so yeah it stayed the music was always the same always Mm -hmm. but with the gospel musicians they created a system where they're able to freestyle under whatever they're singing and i just thought that was i don't know why that's not I don't know why that's like not taught to people that the place where they're teaching anything is possible through God. They also created a system that anything is possible. Isn't that is that not remarkable? I just don't understand why that's not a thing that anybody gives a fuck about, really. So that was like really um, amazing for me to see. Like, so when you look at all the history of like, let's just say people that are slaves, or even how when so I can't remember who was it, which group it was, but when they were working out in the fields. They couldn't talk to each other or they'd get in trouble. So they communicate through rhythms with their feet. So a lot of these a lot of these musical systems are created to cope or to communicate in a different way. Right. So people don't necessarily hear you communicating or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So all these systems are just these beautiful things have cre- came from pain. Super destructive pasts. But I think that they're those are the best things to come from all of our all of the, the past hurts that we've all experienced mm-hmm. is that so it's easy it's really easy to focus on the bad things but there's a lot of great things that have also come from right. the same place and it's, that's it's almost like destroying rebuild or kind of like that like with, with oh, yeah, any, for with, sure. if you if if anything beautiful is to come something awful has to Happen. have have had happen yeah almost yeah. right just like the butterfly you know yeah butterfly exactly same thing so all that stuff is and you became obsessed or not obsessed but you became very like focused on this and curious about this yeah when you went to the psychiatrist and you kind of learned about your past a little bit more yeah and how you inadvertently focused towards music yeah and which is why you also bring up the fact that music is always around yeah and it affects us and we don't know it yeah because it 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 affected you in your life yeah and an early stage and almost saved you right yeah yeah and here's another thing too Think about us as DJs. When we hear a song that's not sung properly or it's not mixed correctly, we know it right away, right? You're yeah, like, this song yeah, sucks. Yeah. But think about every day you walk out into the street. Are you ever bothered by any of the noises around? Not really. You're not like, turn that shit off right now. Just Why is that? Jamie's voice. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> horrific over here, man. But what I'm saying is there's always a harmony working. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's just, but it's just the world going as, going, you know, doing its thing. 
but it's still yeah but it's right when there's a harmony that's what i'm saying yeah 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 that's what's weird i get it where the world is just going on yeah. and it's doing its thing but there's still there's a musical a harmony musical to harmony to it because we're not bothered by the noise yep and then it goes back to his videos of the sounds <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> 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 fucking jamie uh, <laughs> <laughs> well it goes back to like i don't know like you know never me and you like we grew up in the city yeah uh I can sleep through like city noise. Yeah, I but if too. I'm in like the woods, you're I scared, right? I get a little scared because yeah. it's unfamiliar sounds. Yeah. Do you get like that? I don't. Get um, I don't get like that. I actually, it's like when I first moved to Vegas, it wasn't as loud. I mean, it was a different noise than living in New York. Yeah, yeah. like in New York, you hear like um, cars driving by, driving by the, horns. The, yeah. And then Vegas, even the weather, even yeah, the weather, like raindrops, yeah, on, like outside, you know, all of that and, stuff. Yeah. And in Vegas, it's a little bit more quieter. Yeah, which was I still have problems sleeping in Vegas. Yeah. No, I love sleeping out yeah. here, man. It's quiet. No, I, I, I struggle. Like I even growing up in L.A., like I um, I I I grew up off of Century Boulevard, which is right in line with um, which is right in line with the uh, LAX airport. So I would struggle. If I didn't hear an airplane coming over my house, or if I didn't hear like an ambulance from like someone like getting yeah. shot, as, mm-hmm. as sad as it sounds, you know what I mean? Yeah. But all that stuff was comforting to me. So coming out here and like having peace and quiet, it's I couldn't. I, I almost couldn't handle it. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I have trouble still. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. That's crazy that you mentioned that shit. Yeah. And then the sound, the city sounds. Yeah, just the world having its own harmony. I never thought of that. Well, it's not something that I think people think about because it's it's a uh, it's old it's old knowledge it's not it's not new right you know but it's some it's stuff that people have forgotten about but i think it's it also with how intelligent everybody is we're also like forgetting core things that are really important and that's why it's really important to me that um why do you think we're because we're distracted by you know yeah technology yes right? yeah. yeah and then uh it's just very odd uh i want to go into quincy oh yeah the quincy jones thing uh, and what you were talking about. Remember, I was telling you that Quincy was like waking up his like. This is during the Michael Jackson Thriller album. I'm not sure. Which, Off the wall, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure what song it was, but I know he was waking up. It was either a saxophone player, or a guitar player. He was waking them up at the middle of the night because he knew they wouldn't overplay and they would only be able to play from the subconscious part of their brain. And so that's how that's how smart Quincy Jones was at that time. Like he knew that the first take when they wake up will be the take and that's what he kept well, how do you get that research because you were explaining that to me i had a songwriting book i read back in the day and i don't know where it went but i mean it's pretty obvious if you hear him speak he knows what he's talking about i mean he's a guy that probably went really deep into that research wow so but it's like um well I, it, well whenever the last time when was the last time you made a beat Fuck. a long time ago <laughs> uh yeah, I probably made like really focused on making a beat. Yeah. Uh, I hear beats all the time. I just don't do anything with them. But last time I I, I remember uh, recording a beat would be two thousand two. When do you think of beats the most? When when I was making beats, uh, yeah, two thousand two. When do I feel the most creative? Uh, shit, I don't know. Because most, most of the people, most of the people have their ideas like at night, yeah, mm-hmm. um, as they're starting to fall asleep or when they first wake up and they're in the shower, and that's why he used that information to, you know, wake him up and do the best solo, and he just kept the first take, and that was it. 
Well, why do you think that is? Because you're not distracted or affected by the actual happenings of the world during the day? Well, I think science has figured out, and I don't know the exact facts of this, but when I was listening to somebody talk about this, it was something that when you're first waking, um, the is it the might be the frontal lobe of the brain is somewhat not working pro- like at its full capacity yet. Yeah. So you're still in the dream, like a, somewhat of a dream creative state. But once you fully wake up and that part shuts on, then that's when it starts telling you to focus on eating, you know, using, mm. taking a dump, taking a piss and all the. So you're easy. basically saying in the beginning, like when you first wake up or when you're about to go to sleep, the conscientious side, the business side is almost well, it's taking not, a break. It's not even no? a business side. It's just, no? I think it's, I think they say it's like the front part, but yeah, let's just say the creative subconscious is awake. Is when more, everything is else more is awake, awakes first before the conscientious side. It's still awake from your dreaming. Oh. Yeah, it's still functioning. Um, so that's why that works. But it's not a, it's not well known. Okay. Um, and most people try to do drugs to get to that, to get to that state where they're working really. Yeah, we were talking. Well, we were briefly talking about that pain thing, right? Yeah. So, like, when you're in that pain, and you were saying pain and creativity are hand in hand. So, yeah, the people who go through the pain, you know, their creative side takes over. Yeah. And they start focusing on, and they uh, almost obsess on like a, a skill or yeah. a craft or a project. Yeah. And when they're not working on it, they need to take drugs to kind of even themselves out. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would, that's what I was drinking or I mean, smoking weed or whatever. You I know? feel like a lot of comedians go through that. Yeah. Like where, they, where they got a tremendous amount of pain. They're yeah. going on stage mm-hmm. to channel, I don't know, channel that pain, but just like escape it somehow. I say but, escape it. But a lot of them are escaping it by directly talking about it, right? Yeah. And channeling into that pain on stage. Yep. And then as soon as they get off stage, they, they have to face reality and again. And they do drugs. And they get depressed. And alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. soon, if they're not escaping from it, they've got to escape it somehow. Mm-hmm. They, they can't be more than a minute in their life where they 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 have to deal with the actual pain it's like, or the actual reality of it all. Like John Belushi, um, Robin Williams, Richard Pryor, they all yeah. Yeah. went through that. That's just some of them, like a thing of right now. I have a friend, she went to a comedy club in LA and she said she went backstage and it was one of the scariest things she'd ever seen is backstage with all these comedians because it's very depressing. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not like this happy like setting that you would think it's very dark yeah mm-hmm. like yeah. at the back of a comedy club it's just them and like maybe their friends or family or whatever but it's extremely dark and the energy's like really really like yeah not right but yeah. they, they channel that i guess on stage they channel it into make it exercise whatever demons they have and yeah. it's crazy mm-hmm. because you don't see that shit in the special ones like the specials they just show you like the nice shit the what's good, the polished up thing, because I was I went to see uh, Gabriel Iglesias, and shit, you know that's one of my dad's favorite co- favorite comedians, and honestly, bro, I was just like, man, I don't even think I want to like show my dad this because he has this perception of him being that great. Well, Gabriel Iglesias is the fat, uh, the chubby, Mexican. the chubby Mexican dude who does the funny voices, right? Yeah, and he looks like a cartoon character. Yeah, he was he was like in shows like in all that. Yeah, and Nickelodeon and shit. But, like that? What you don't know, like I, I, I took never to a comedy club in LA. I dragged him there, and it was like an open mic, and it's dark. It's because everyone in a in a comedy club, they're trying to figure out their they're trying to figure out their um new material, their new material. Yeah. They're trying to work it out. Yeah. So a lot of it doesn't work, and they usually come up with a pad and they're reading from it. And I'm trying to think like, 
you know, with DJs, you know, uh, Zach was here and we compared a lot of like, he's obsessed with like comedians. Yeah. Because he finds a similarity between co- comedians and DJs. And I've yeah. always seen that mm-hmm. similarity. Yeah. It's that we start working out our material or our mixes, I would think, towards the end of the night where we have the freedom to just kind of play what we want to play. Yeah. And that's where I work out my sets and everything. So uh, with a comedian, you know, they're going through the small clubs. But when we do, when they do a big club, when they end up doing a special, it's because they've ac- accumulated enough material enough material from all of these little comedy yeah. clubs to the to the point where they're like i'm ready to show this shit out mm-hmm. but you, it's also therapeutic for a comedian when they're in front when they're doing these comedy clubs to just get whatever's bothering them out so what jamie yeah. was talking about seeing this comedian who normally does like pg-13 shit and then he's probably talking about some dark ass shit at a comedy club it's probably because he's trying to air out some of that shit that he was yeah, going through. Sure. And, yeah. then, and then not only that, kind of seeing like, is this going to work? Is this going to yeah. be funny? Mm-hmm. Because comedians are trying to find humor in the worst places. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's rape, uh, homicide, you know, anything. Yeah. And like, they're trying to find humor in anything. And yeah. then that's why they're always trying to push the line. And then we as DJs, we're kind of trying to find what's danceable. What keeps the mm-hmm. energy of dance going how far can we go to keep everyone dancing and having a good time by introducing different types of music? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I found myself to stop doing that in recently in the past few years where I'm not trying to experiment and play different songs like maybe 10 years ago when it was more cool. When you would play like a, you know, like, I don't know, like a fucking, like a Santana, what was that? Uh, Evil Ways, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you wouldn't normally drop that. Yeah. But like people would appreciate, like, oh shit, he brought this back. They don't Where do that nowadays. If you do it nowadays, people will just look at you like, what the fuck are you and, doing? And they will walk off the dance floor. Yeah, it might leave the club on top of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- th- those are the kind of the things that uh, that I I really you know I I wonder if it's ever going to go back to that. I don't necessarily know if I wanted to go back to that, but you know what I mean. I mean, I think it's funny how they find the material, we find our mixes, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know, even you have mentioned. Um, I finally watched Chris Rock, and I was, I was like, "Damn, he's really like, he's expressing some shit that like everything was like personal, yeah. but you could just tell like that was his outlet, like his divorce, his kids uh, going through high school, his masturbation problem, like all that stuff was like <laughs> his porn addiction was crazy. Yeah, like it was just dark, but mm-hmm. he made light of it and it was hilarious. But you could just tell like." That's some dark shit he was talking about that he like even like kids getting shot and he wished that a, a white family could understand that pain at the very beginning. I was like, damn, that's kind of harsh, but it was kind of funny at the same time. I think, yeah, you know? I think as you get older, right, and you, Mike, you understand, you start trying to understand your your youth because that's really what shapes who you are. Yeah. And I think Chris Rock was breaking down like, yo, like i wasn't a good father or like i wasn't a good husband right that was his main thing i wasn't a good husband yeah mm-hmm. i felt like that was the that's why he named it tambourine tambourine was you know if you're gonna play the tambourine if you're gonna be married be happy about being married right like you you can't be like you can't get married and be unhappy it's like you can't play the tambourine you gotta, you gotta and not look happy <laughs> playing the tambourine you gotta play the tambourine and be like enthusiastic you gotta about know your position the tambourine. Yeah, yeah you gotta position play your position in the can't band imagine not the lead singer or yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's pretty deep. And then, like you know, in in that 
so like when you were with the psychiatrist and you were breaking down all of this pain and you were looking back mm -hmm. and you were stemming through that yeah. did that affect the music you made oh yeah yeah that was a dark that was a dark place i was in for sure because it, when you go to that was your Yeezus album. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> it, it, it wasn't dark music. But th when I first started making the keyboard videos, is when it all happened. That when I was working through all that stuff. So if, if you actually go back to like the first start of the keyboard videos, is that's what the music was. But the stuff that I'm making wasn't dark. It was I was making stuff where I wish I could be without feeling like I was in this terrible place. So I was actually trying to create where I wanted to be. And I've actually analyzed my music now, and it's it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of stuff people do actually musically is saying like where they want to be or where they want to go, and that's why it's very dangerous, in my opinion, to give um, a pop artist a, a specific set of songs and just saying just using them as a money making machine because it's not honest. Mm -hmm. And and I think all creative art should be done honestly because then it's then it can actually be used as a tool to work out of those dark places instead of just making money all the time because the inevitable thing is that when you give these like when you give a, a young artist right a bunch of pop songs and you make him into a pop star there's it's gonna go self-destructive at some point right it is and people why, why do you think that is break that down i mean well because they're not even they don't even believe in what they're singing for one it's not their sound yeah exactly it's, right. it's just a it it's doesn't a represent them yeah at all it's just basically they're basically like shucking and jiving for yeah, because because like then yeah. then it turns into like the whole well is is art imitating life or is life imitating art? If I give you a bunch of you know thugged out <laughs> gangster rap songs, yo crooked, we're gonna make you to this thug rapper for like the next ten years. What do you think is gonna happen to you? Yeah, it's not gonna be a positive thing for you as because, the individual. Yeah, I get successful off of this thing, off of this yeah. entity that wasn't that didn't represent me at all, and then all of a sudden I start hating myself. Yeah, but I'm not even hating myself. I'm hating this facade that other people created. Yeah, and then uh -huh. when you try to be yourself, you turn into what Jim Carrey is right now. Who he's like this Shit. he's like this far out like I'm not even here. Well, I think that he feels like he's not here because he's always been trying to be somebody else his whole life right. for a career. That's got to be hard as hell on somebody, you know what I mean? That's got to be that's, terrible. That's yeah, kind of what a what's his name went through, right? Uh that played the Joker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ledger, Dark Knight, Ledger, Ledger, yeah. yeah. I don't think that's easy. I don't think that's an easy place to be, and I think uh, that's why Hollywood is experiencing this weird backlash. It's well, because, yeah. it's because uh, we're all—they're all trying to be something that they're not all the time. Mm -hmm. So then, who are you when you look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day, or when you're dying in your deathbed? Who are you? And you're getting all these accolades, you're getting all the success, but For you're not—you're not yourself. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, yeah. imagine how that feels like at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, I had heard somewhere that Jim Carrey has like 20 personalities; that he's not just him. Which is fucking deep. You know, he is one of the greatest actors, but shit, you're not right in the head. Then what does it mean? Do you think that translates um, for us as DJs too? No, I think I, I like to think of DJs as like, a, there's this, uh, man, I don't know his last name, but this is a great gospel musician. His name's Jamal. Um, and he was talking about how the musician in the church and somewhat a DJ is like a, the same thing. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying the club is a church, by the way. Okay, <laughs> let's just uh, clarify that right now. The club is not the church. No, there's some churches that it, it can that be a church. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean, right? Like your your job is to it, it, it can be broken down as a church, though. It's a gathering of people, right? It, no, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's 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 even if it's not a religious experience, no. people sure do act like it when they all show up dressed up 
right and to be around a bunch of other but people there's nothing like everyone dancing having the same energy and you like you said one song everyone's unified and singing along or feeling the energy yeah. of this one song or a few songs of the whole night mm-hmm. it is like spiritual yeah it can be well that's and that's what this dude jamal says he's he says uh your the job as a keyboard player in the church was you see what the people need to feel better about whatever it is they're going through because everybody's grieving something all the time mm-hmm. so you see what they need to heal and then you play whatever it is that what whatever passes through you from god now what's interesting about the way he described it though to me was like sometimes when i'm playing i i honestly don't necessarily feel like it's me that's in control of what i'm playing i'm just doing things that i'm supposed to do and every musician has that at some level or even if somebody that's making beats you're doing all these creative things but you don't really know sometimes where like it's the blackout from. mode right yeah yeah so that was very interesting how he described that. Do you, uh, speaking of DJing, do you miss DJing? Like clubs? Um, every now and then. But then I think about how much I drank. <laughs> <laughs> Would you come back? Yeah, I mean, there's. I just, uh, I don't do it with, I don't do the clubs where I know I may have some sort of issue with some sort of management. Right. Mm. Yeah. But I, that's almost every club you could have that, though. So I guess. True. Especially in Vegas. Yeah. yeah, especially in the strip. I, I, yeah, you can get in trouble for anything here if they, if they want you to get in trouble, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's pretty crazy. But yeah. I mean, I have an opportunity right now to do these uh, music lessons, like production lessons, that are going to be translated in Japanese and sold through this Japanese distributor. So to me, that's I, I could feel really great about that because that's something I could do forever. Because I'm giving back to community of people, and maybe music will be better because of it or maybe it won't but at least it's a chance yeah yeah let's think so that you are going to make an impact bro let's not be negative oh no i'm not i'm not being negative but you know we'll yeah. see we'll see what happens what do you, <laughs> what do you want to do what do you want to like what do, what do you want to see yourself in like 10 years as far as production wise yeah. what what is some of the stuff you're trying to learn? without putting too much pressure on you know whatever uh what i want to do yeah, yeah. i mean i, I well, i really want to i really want to teach people how to make better music but also teach them the some of the cool stuff that has come before us that never gets taught. Because I think that's really important. Do man. you enjoy teaching? Like, because you, because you, you've mentioned working with artists, yeah. And some of the frustration, and like you said, is that they don't know what to do. Is that frustrating, or do you enjoy that? No, I, I don't mind uh, working with artists at all. It's just when the, when the politics and the money gets involved, it it changes the the dynamic too much. So, but I don't know what the cure is for that right right and i don't think there will be if, if it's always done for money that there mm. there will ever be a cure but i feel like i could make the impact with the the lessons or showing people how to do things and mm-hmm. uh, but also showing them that a lot of these people are learning um the math of music because all the other people that taught before me had beliefs of hope and that you could be better through music it's not just it can be used for entertainment but it can also be used to better the things around you and give you some sort of so therapy yeah, so you actually want to like teach this shit what, what you're doing yeah i mean if, if people are into it but that's and so that's another thing too that goes back to the planets video was i thought if people were into that then maybe that was a sign that i can teach that and people would be interested in knowing that okay you know yeah. by the way um i like your tutorial from dj city on oh, yeah. ableton <laughs> yeah it actually helped me out i know how to use it a little bit because of because oh, that's of awesome, so thank you i'm glad you got some use out of that <laughs> well, i think i think that would be a great start is is you doing like breaking some of these things down 
on yeah. YouTube, you know, yeah. and then doing more of that, right? Yeah, because what I've noticed too is like the better my music gets, I'm getting more messages to let's just say collab, but it's never turns out that way. It's like, what can they take from me? Exactly. Yeah. And um, rather than getting frustrated with people that always just want to take, well, here's the information for everybody. Right. And here's what you have to do to get the information. Right. If you want to pay for it, whatever. But at least it's there for everybody to, to learn. I think that'd be yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd be like amazing shit. Definitely. So motherfuckers yeah. like never. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, I meant to ask you this earlier. Like who yeah. were some of your early like producer influences um and then if you still have any influences now i'm curious well quincy jones for sure Uh uh-huh because i think i was like a super michael jackson fan when i was young who wasn't um so quincy jones uh who was else uh timbaland was for sure but then when i met him he just like really just disappointed me unfortunately it happens bro that's the worst man maybe he had a wall up i think (laughs) He had a wall up. Oh, he did go through some shit too, right? Not yeah, yeah. I mean, ago. yeah. I think he did some. Was he just like really egotistical? No, yeah, super. Oh, super bad. Was he condescending, like talking to yeah. you? Yeah, uh, it was. It's just weird. It was. It was weird. But I think uh, what was it? He did that interview lately where he was talking about how he had been addicted to some painkillers and stuff like that. So, hmm. but he was a. Uh, I always enjoyed his stuff. Um, obviously, Premier Pete Rock. Yeah, all those guys. Um, who who's now though? It's hard to say now. Yeah, I mean now I'm like listening to like gospel music, you know. So I don't know. Really? Yeah, I listened to um, well, a great keyboard player. I think he's probably going to be one of the greatest keyboard players ever. Is uh, Corey Henry? Um, it's just unreal. His playing's un unfucking real, man. Corey like, Henry? Yeah, Corey Henry. Yeah, he's a gospel 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 keyboard. keys player and just unreal. Wow. Super unreal. So I listen to a lot of gospel music right now. Actually, you know, a lot of the the '90s R and B stuff is gospel is the roots. I don't know if people know this, but so all the hip hop dudes that were saying, you know, fuck R and B and all this shit. Well, guess what? A lot of that stuff comes from yeah, the jazz, gospel, and R and B and stuff like that. Wow. So it's it's really hard for me to listen to some of the people that say that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Who says the fuck R and B? Yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah, who's saying? I don't want to call anybody. I don't want to name any names. But really? we'll yeah. bleep that out. We'll bleep it out. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, say. Because people I love to bleep. Say one person. Yeah, I remember. I remember uh, when I used to chat with uh, he would always say "fuck R and B" and all that stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, but like I said, a lot of stuff stems from, like the chords in like R. Kelly's stuff is those are gospel chords, like the R and B remixes, but. People aren't generally aware of that, so it gets kind of like tossed to the side a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think, well, our fucking R. Kelly too. Yeah, I mean, R&B how about stuff. Teddy Riley? Oh yeah, I think Teddy he Riley have, for um, sure. A gospel background. Yeah, Teddy Riley for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the beginning stages of R and B in the '90s, everyone, I mean, the gospel like gospel church were like almost like a recruiting center. For singers, for R&B yeah. singers, yeah, right? pretty much. Everyone had that. But now it's like, you know, I don't know where the singers are coming from. There are no singers. Not really. It's a bunch of kids. That's true, man. A lot of them are coming to the church. A lot of kids who, who who can't sing, who have a lot of, I don't know what it is, soul or like they who try to sing, they just use Ableton, right? Because they don't have the actual talent or the voice. Yeah. But I was, is, I've, I've been listening to like Trippy Red. Yeah. And that's like a kid to me. He was like. 
I've actually been starting to like appreciate some of his music. Yeah. Trippy Red. It's yeah. like, yeah, I've been like, I pumping that shit. I just feel like yeah. yo, you, you hear his voice and it's like, yo, there's, there's something there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, and he doesn't really, I don't think he auto tunes that much, but like you, you hear like a, you hear something there. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. But yeah, it's not from gospel, but it's from something else. And some of these new rappers remind me their voice and the way they spit reminds me of like uh like ska punk era like a little bit like like blink 182 like that lead vocalist i forgot his name but a lot of hip-hop is stemming from that for some reason i don't know i hear i hear some of the like the way they're singing on certain songs and i'm like this sounds like blink 182 yeah they probably grew up with it that's what it is yeah yeah because how old how old are they they're fucking i don't know 2019 oh yeah it's coming for a circle so if they're like you know, between the ages of five and ten, and they're listening to Blink One Eighty Two, rocking out. You know, I mean, Little Uzi versus he's a rock star because he grew up around with that and not rap. So, yeah, people just—it's always imitation. Yeah. The music isn't, you know, yeah. it doesn't. It's not like something people make up. Unfortunately, I know everybody likes to believe that they're original, but they're not. Yeah, no one's original. Yeah, yeah. no, these are these are old, old, old ideas that that pop up <laughs> in your head. You know, yeah, yeah. The Egyptians figured it all out already. Okay, guys. <laughs> Y'all late. Uh, shit. Is there anything we want to touch on? Pause. Anything you want to talk about, Mega Man? Anything after? I don't know. Was there? I don't know. I think we're done. Everyone, like, I feel all the listeners are like, "Fuck." They got they're brain dead right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so much information. Given it's crazy. Out. So, so much game given out today. Yeah. I'm, I've been enjoying it. Has yeah. there ever been a girl that was like, "Nah, you talk too much, bro." You're too in tune. That's uh, funny because he's not like that. He doesn't like he's very like chill and reserved, like yeah. in a normal setting. Like I could, I could out, see like, you kind of freaking out a chick though. Yeah, a little like, bit. She's like, no? cool. Freaking out. I mean, I freak out my. I was freaking out my parents when I was telling them it's a, the plants are a musical scale. They were like, "What? What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> Have some more mashed potatoes. You know what? Yeah, I've been around, and I hope I'm not like blowing up your spot. No, but no. I've been I've been around him when around girls, and girls gravitate towards him. He's a good looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's smart. Like I've seen it happen. Yeah, like, I've seen him in like in that mode around women, and it pickup like, mode. It kind of works. <laughs> like, it I'm works saying, do you ever like talk about something and then you just kind of go off and you're like, holy shit, bring it back, bring it back, like dumb it down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it I, eventually comes out. But because you get that face and she starts going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like, but it's but the thing is, I don't want to dumb it down because what happens is is usually what happens is I'll tell somebody an idea, right? And then a year later, they'll be like, oh, dude, you were right. I was like, what are you talking about? It's a year later. I don't even remember. But then they'll they'll figure it out. So, like, it's it almost, it's like planting a seed, and then people learn it along the way. So you got that, like, uh, you plant a seed in a chick, and then a year later, you got her? <laughs> Yo, remember, remember what Russ said? That he, Sounds amazing. he mentally wants to fuck girls? This is the same shit. <laughs> this is this is the a year's a long that's time, not I, though. That's not what I meant about you don't the know girls, what it, guys. I just said about the ideas. But yeah, I mean, obviously. You don't know what that don't. chick's going to look like in a year. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I can tell when I need to dial it back because people are just like, this guy's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's this fucking space kid. It's funny because his breakup relationship now kind of makes sense. Why? Because he said, okay, tell us your uh, your breakup moment. Oh, wait, well, I just got dumped in an email, but there was no explanation. Just she like, just dumped him. Recently? Three sentences. No, 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 not recently. What's the email? Like a year ago. 
Year and a half ago. Year whatever. Email? What are you dating? Like email. a 50-year-old? That <laughs> 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 she dropped an email and he never heard back from her. Well, how did that happen? I don't know. No one knows. Your guess is as good as mine. So you called point. her, you texted, no response. Correct. And then she just sent you an email. Like, yo, That's friend. It? Was it a long email? That was like three sentences. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she hit him with an email. And he never went on a rabbit hole to figure that out. But in a few years, he probably will. I'm sure. I mean, this is the rabbit hole. Everything is the rabbit hole, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. That was definitely <laughs> yeah. a part of it. That was definitely an extra shovel yeah. to fucking help him dig like deeper. That's, That's crazy. crazy. Well, yeah. Three sentences? Maybe four, maybe. Maybe. I'm pretty sure it was three, though. I'm pretty sure it was Regardless three. Regardless of email. <laughs> <laughs> is that that? Ba- is that bad? That's bad. If That's worse than a text. Like, yeah. Well, considering I was with her for three and a half years, it's pretty bad. That's even worse. Oh wait, <laughs> Can, I don't want to blow it up. Can you say what happened two weeks prior to that, or you want to keep that? Up? Uh, what happened two weeks? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'd asked her. I'd asked her dad if I could marry her. Two weeks prior. Yeah, and all that stuff. So I had done all the. That work, and then it was just like, peace out. She knew that you asked the dad? I think That's so. why probably yeah. she bounced. Well, no, no, it's no, hard to say. It could be a lot of shit. But she could have told you face-to-face. At least. I would have yeah. appreciated that at least. After well, three even, and a half even years. Even calling So, wait, phone. wait. Three and a half years. Y'all living together or y'all not living together? No, because she was living out of... She was living away, but she was moving back to California for a job. Okay, okay, okay. So, so you had a long-distance mm. relationship for three and a half years? No, no, not for three and a half years. It was like for, for a year... But then, like I said, the email kind of just popped up. So whatever she was doing, who knows? Wow. But I hope it was worth it, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> just putting that out there. No, that's like it. Well, you want to hear my theory of what happened? Yeah. Let's, let's hear, let's hear, hear it. it. Huh? <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> it's wild. I'm a very cynical motherfucker. I always think the worst. If she was long distance, she wasn't in the city. I think she met somebody. Yeah. What? But the thing was yeah. is that she was moving towards me. Yeah. Like, Right before, I mean, she basically dumped me right before she moved back. Yeah, so that was kind of maybe. And I'm thinking she met somebody, or she was planning on meeting somebody back. Or no, no, even bringing them back, or oh, just yeah. like you know, I want to yeah. start new. I don't want to. Was come she back in a weird city. town, like a Midwest town, and then she's bringing somebody to the city? I don't, I don't know if it was like that, but who knows? Maybe. I don't know if the town Cause, was cause weird. That I don't know, man. I could be wrong, and I, I don't mind being wrong. But, uh, like, the way chicks look at relationships, I always think they're looking at, like, the future a little bit more than guys are. Because we live in kind of, like, we're just going day to day. Right now. Yeah, a little bit. Now. Well, yeah. again, Chris Rock did a uh, – he said something along those lines that uh, women can be – women, kids, and dogs can be loved unconditionally, but men is – it depends on what they provide. So they, that's why, you know – She's probably looking at that, too. You're saying, yeah, he said that men are loved only by what they can provide. Yeah. and But uh, kids, women, and dogs can be loved unconditionally. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I guess I could believe that. I don't know. He may be. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I don't, I don't think about it too much anymore, anyway. Because it, it led to all of this. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys right now talking about these cool things that I've learned if she had never done that. Yeah, oh, so. all this information came in a year and a half? Well, okay, not all Fuck. of it. Not all of it, but <laughs> some most, let's say 60% of it. 60%. Okay. I mean, yeah, like when was the last time you got, what was the first heartbreak you ever had? Never. Um, I was 20. I said never, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm trying <laughs> to think. Um, You're too young. I don't want to hear about your heartbreak. You don't know what the fuck's going on My first heartbreak? 
Yeah. yeah but that, isn't that the hardest one? The first one, right? Yeah. No? Yeah, I'm about to say. That's the was, most devastating one, right? I said I was like 15. What the fuck? And I had it at 26, but I'm too young. Yeah, because you haven't lived anything yet. But he had it at 15. That's way younger. Yeah, but Jamie, you haven't done anything yet. Yeah, you haven't lived true. anything yet. Yeah. 28? What are you, 28? Yeah. You haven't done shit. That's, That's nothing. You can't even <laughs> talk to me about life until you've started your mid-30s. Yeah. Because the way you look back on your 20s is totally different than you look at it now. Yeah, I can relate to that. You can relate to that? I can. I understand that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so don't that. even talk to me about life. No, that, and that's why I never told you about life. I'm going to plug your mic right now. Actually. I never told you about life. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. I ask you about life because you, you know, you experience more than I have. I haven't. I mean, fuck. I don't really. I'm so cynical about anything. I don't really care. I'm like a fucking a rooftop. Like a raindrop falls and it just falls off. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that happens when you get older. Nah, you're right. It's like. It's like us. I actually, it's like I actually encourage shit to happen, just because I think an interesting, an interesting story might pop out of it. And like, I, I do. Yeah. There's certain things where I see certain people, and I'm like, oh, I know what that type of person is, just by the way they said hi, mm. or just by something they did. And yeah. I said, you know what? I picture this happening. And I said, let me see if I'm right, and I'll go ahead and do it, and it'll happen. I'll be like, yeah, I kind of figured that. <laughs> And it could be a business investment. It could be something as little as me doing a favor. But I do it anyway just to see exactly how it will turn out. And I'll be like, eh, maybe, I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe this motherfucker will surprise me. But it never really happens. Once yeah. in a while I get surprised. But you start anticipating how people are just because you've, you've been hurt or been played or oh actually no you know i was saying? i was 17 you were 17 i was 17 <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about it I, I don't think we like i don't think real heartbreak happens until you're like after 16 to me you know what i'm saying yeah. like when you're 15 you're still a kid it's like I mean, it's the first one that's what the real ones is like after i would say mine was like yeah like 18 19 yeah yeah that shit was that like, really affected you he's like oh. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Darren, you still haven't. Yeah, I'm yeah, uh, uh, eight, 18, my senior year of high school. Yeah. That's usually when it happens, right? Mine yeah. was harsh, though. Like, I was, like, dating what? a chick, and then she was, like, dating this dude at, like, a rival high school. <laughs> and, like, I found out about it because my boy transferred there. And he was, like, yo, your girl be up here, like, after school, like, checking for this dude. And so I, like, I was mad. I was hurt. And then I gave her ultimatum because prom was coming. I was like, yo, it's me or him. And she chose him. <laughs> she brought him to prom? It was their prom. Oh. But, so I didn't have a date for prom. So, like, luckily, like, kind of, like, last minute, one of my good uh, homegirls, she didn't have a date either. And it worked out. Did you smash that? Nah, nah. <laughs> we, was, we was, like, in, like, Christian leadership. I went to a Catholic school. So we were in, like, Christian leadership class together. And so, like, it was just more like a mutual, like, friend. Like, it was like a like, straight friend, never kissed her, none of that stuff. But so nothing ever went down? With the friend? <laughs> nah, 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 not with the friend, nah. Just some light petting? Yeah, it was just like, you know, <laughs> dancing kind of close. But we had, like, nuns with flashlights. <laughs> so we Shit. couldn't, like, really, like, grind. <laughs> it was, like, a really strict school I went to, like. Where the fuck is this podcast going? Right <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nuns with flashlights. I don't even want to know this much about Darren. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we can put the title "Nuns with Flashlights," but no. And the brothers too, with like the like the four robes with the little rope tied. Hey, yeah. yeah. Shit. Okay. On that note. Anyway, to, to look at all this footage, guys, go on YouTube.com/slash Reflections of a DJ. Y'all can check all that out. Is it slash Reflections of a DJ yes. or Road Podcast? 
Not as reflections of it. We don't have a YouTube link. They didn't give us a designated link. No, but if you look it up, you can go to that. It doesn't have the designated link because we don't have 100 subscribers yet on that. I don't know why YouTube does that stupid shit, but it does. But if you put, you know, Reflections of a DJ on YouTube, it comes up. Just search uh, Road Podcast or Reflections of a DJ on YouTube. Yeah. Don't listen to this motherfucker's link. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. All Whatever. Right. This is a wrap. <laughs> Are we good? Anything else you want to say, Mega Man? Thank you, Oh, brother. yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you um, a link to this guy did a paper showing the relationship between frequencies of the body, the light, and sound spectrum. So that way, any, we'll put it, any yeah. errors I made. You could just read, you know. We'll put it in the descriptions. Yeah, yeah. On it's dope. YouTube. Super dope. On YouTube. All right. Yo, Meg, Mega Man, Mike Mayetta. <laughs> yeah. Mayetta. Thank you for coming to <laughs> no, Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot, yeah. brother. No, thank you. I'm sorry I'm butchering your, your fucking last name. No, I, I, I think it's funny. I'm just not coordinated. Like, I'm just not, I don't have eloquent enough to say that name. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.